Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where it's 7 o'clock on Friday at this time. It was 8. And right yeah. now it's seven, so we yeah, were actually seeing, uh, yeah, we're we're seeing daylight outside. Which is fan of it. Yeah. You don't like this? I don't like daylight savings. He didn't like daylight savings because I, his playoffs ended. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, I don't like wow. being in that room. Whoa. I don't like much right now. I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit, uh, a little bit of a grouch, a little grumpy old grumpy old man today. Hey, just everything you yeah yeah whatever. Good for them. Good they lost. Glad they did too. Oh, by yeah. the way, uh, seven. One now. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Uh, Brooke Grimsley is back on the heels of falling in a in a bet f- to uh, oh, to Kerry yeah. Davis. You forgot it. Kerry yeah, Davis. It's okay. It tomorrow. No, you don't have to do I that, Kerry. Listen, Carrie, you don't so, have to do that. I, I didn't. I didn't think about much after Friday night. I, <laughs> my brain has been on autopilot, just kind of <laughs> meandering through the days, mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. Yeah. Got it life. That's the voice of the Super Bowl champion, Gary Davis. Matthew Rocchio is here. He's given me pronunciations for soccer, which is good. (laughs) (laughs) Football? Is Uh, that on there? Football, yeah. (laughs) Football. Uh, The the Blues are successful now. The Blues won two in a row. Are successful now. They are. Somebody didn't didn't the Athletics say they wouldn't win or lose two in a row? And they now won. They were young. They were wrong. Yeah, Uh, yeah, they said something like that. Two or three. They got to win one more to make it a winning streak. Yeah, they do. And they will. They have the Jets in town tomorrow night. So, uh, hashtag LGB. Uh, we did see Sporting KC fall yesterday, or Sporting KC. We wish we would have seen them oh, fall. St. Louis <laughs> NBC fell to Sporting KC yes. by a score of 2-1 to one and a disappointing finish to what was an amazing inaugural season for St. Louis City SC. It was, and I'm trying to separate the two, right? Because I think you can celebrate the regular season, but right now this is painful. Getting knocked out in the first round, especially in this fashion against a rivalry that you're really building up against Sporting KC. Yes, I went back to Sporting KC because they earned that respect Respect. of not being called Sporting Kansas anymore. And there was some things towards the end of the game that I liked, or the match, I should say, Randy, since you have your pronunciation guide over there. But there was a lot of things I didn't like. Kyle Heber, I thought was great. There were some disappointing moments from Akil Watts, uh, Blum. He was caught flat-footed on that first goal. There were some frustrating moments, and I think you can still celebrate the big picture of this was a very successful inaugural season, first season for City SC as you're laying the foundation. But at the same time, to lose in that manner in the first round is very frustrating. And it sounds like the the fans, of course, are frustrated, but the players, too. Yeah, yesterday in Kansas... They go scoreless, and you think, okay, we're going to halftime scoreless, but uh, halftime in soccer is a little bit more. So it was the uh, 45-plus first minute when Sporting Kansas' Logan and scored. Logan and Deme. There will be a minimum one minute of stoppage time in this first half. Shallowing. Alain Polito. 
Over to Adebe. Adebe! Okay, you can give it that. You, you can give it that pronunciation. What did you just say? It's spelled N D E N B E. N D E. <laughs> Sorry, it makes me think of that SNL skit with Chance the Rapper where he's the hockey reporter and he was the NBA reporter and the hockey player turns around and he's like, uh, yep, nope, not saying that. <laughs> so, uh, 1-0 oh, Kansas at the intermission and then in the 73rd minute, you're still thinking, okay, something's going to happen here. By the way, not a lot of great pressure applied by St. Louis City SC, but then Daniel Saloy came through for Kansas too. Kansas in the middle. Somebody's got to tell this kid how to pronounce his name. <laughs> Saloy. S A L L O S A L L O I. Saloy. I can't. right now. <laughs> Randy, they beat us. You can't do this. Yes, I can. Saloy. 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 Okay. Man. If he wants to be shallow, he's a pretty shallow guy. Mm. Uh, and then uh, they got one more, or uh, they they didn't. We got one from Pompeo late. But it hasn't been Leuven tonight. It's been Vasilev that's been dangerous. It is Leuven. This is a better ball, but it's Russell who gets to it. The first man heads it away. Pompeo to the back post. Oh, and yeah. What a goal from Silio Pompeo! And we got 12 minutes of extra time and still couldn't come through. And. City falls by a score of 2-1, to one and the season is over. But what a run it was. And just some of the numbers for St. Louis City SC. Finished the regular season 17-12-5. 17 wins set the record for the most wins by an expansion team in MLS history. First expansion team in MLS history to win their conference in their inaugural season. Joined Atlanta United, LAFC, and the Chicago Fire as the only expansion teams to score 60 or more goals in their debut seasons. 16 different players got on the score sheet. Just a magnificent season. Congratulations to Carolyn Kindle and to Lutz Fonensteel and to Bradley Carnell and all the players and mostly all the fans who, by the way, represented big time yesterday they did. at Children's Mercy Park. There was a lot of red in the stands and that was the biggest thing is that the fan base was just fantastic all season long, building up that fan this is something that's, of course, been in the works for a long time. And it seemed like the outside world, those national pundits, didn't believe or understand why St. Louis would be the soccer capital. That history has been here. The fans have been here waiting for this moment, and they showed up this season. And for the most part, CSC showed up this season, too. Historic season, like I said, during the regular season, but postseason is a whole different animal. And that's what was showcased. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, I think that it being City's first time ever, you know, first season ever, they had a great season, but first time ever in the playoffs. I think there will be some things, some lessons that were, that are learned from that. You have to, the intensity changes no matter the sport once the playoffs hit. It just, it, it it's more. I don't know why. I don't know why it, it, it is. It just is. It, there's there's more intensity. It feels like every single play matters more. And if you aren't kind of like the SEC. Yeah, well, something like that. Unless, well, we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> but every single play matters. And I, I do think, you know, I think they were a little bit stunned in game one when, when Sporting KC came out and punched them in the mouth. And I mm-hmm. don't know that, you know, they really, I, I know they knew that they were in the playoffs, but the intensity of the playoffs, until you actually go through that moment and, and experience right. it, you have no clue. And so game two, 
better, but just still not enough. Sporting KC was on their game. They they, they played an extremely game, extremely good game, and so. Unfortunately, City is at home and they'll be uh, they'll be done. Meanwhile, they're out of the playoffs. If the NHL playoffs started today, the Blues would be in them as the last wild card team on the heels of this two-game winning streak, beating New Jersey on Friday night over at Enterprise Center, and then on Saturday night, the Montreal Canadiens in town. And a minute twenty-four into the game, the Blues get on the board. The Blues can't clear. Now they do. They get it to Shin. Partial break. He shoots and he shoots it wide of the goal. Now with Saad in front, back door to Cairo. He scores! Jordan Cairo waiting for the patient feed from the captain, Braden Shen. And the Blues take a 1-0 lead. 1 minute, 24 seconds into the first period. Montreal tied it at the 401 mark, but before the first period was out. Blues win the draw. Montreal's going to rush the pocket out of the zone as they jumped into the space. We'll get it back in. Thomas to the middle on his forehand. Score! Robert Thomas goals in three straight games. And the Blues have taken a 2-1 to one lead. 3.23 to go. First period. Great goal by Bobby Tommy. It was 2-1 after one. Brandon Saad scoring early in the second. And then in the third, Torpchenko, Schenner, and Kapanen for the Blues. Kapanen with an empty netter. And the Blues win it by a score of 6-3. to three over the Montreal Canadiens, and the Blues now have 11 points, and all of a sudden you look, and their record is 5-4-1, and one, and you say, okay, well, they're on a roll here. Something good might happen. That was a great goal by Robert Thomas. Mm, and, Bobby, and Tommy. Bobby Tommy. And I, I think that the one thing I watched over the weekend, I thought the fourth line played with such great energy, watching those guys really get after it. That was exciting. I Can they be consistent? That's because a good question. That, that is the, the one thing that has been their issue, I think, for the last, for this this year so far and all of last year, just the inconsistency. One game, you'll play extremely well. You'll see all of the pieces come together. And then the next game, you're like, who the hell are these guys? And I know it depends on who you're playing at times. The, the, the opponent matters. But what the opponent cannot dictate is your energy and your effort. That's all you. So will they be able to continue with that type of effort? Will they be able to continue with that type of mentality I hope so, but until they show it on a consistent basis, I'm talking four, five, six games in a row, then you know I, I'll leave that to be to be seen because I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, well, because in 10 games, that's what you've seen, right? Correct. A lot of highs and lows, a lot of ups and downs. But in the game this weekend, specifically against the Canadians, good forecheck, Chris passing, and you had taking the shot instead of the How extra pass. That? Mm-hmm. that was something I was impressed by because there were so many times that that happened where it was like they're taking the extra pass instead of just shooting the puck and skating hard. That's what Blues hockey is supposed to look like. And that is the big question. Can they do it on a consistent level and do that during just not just two stretches of back-to-back games, but more than one as well? How about that? How about shooting the puck? How about... That's how you score goals, and they actually did it. Yeah. That's amazing. And Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, those are the games that we are expecting to see from those two. Yeah, those are $8 million plays. Yeah, you gotta have it. Saturday in Athens, you're already aware of this. Georgia beat Mizzou 30 to 21. Can't turn the ball over. Brady Cook with a couple of interceptions. Georgia did not turn it over, and Mizzou falls by a score of 30 to 21. Georgia's just a better football team. And at the end of the day, when you have a lot of better players, you're going to win the game. So Missouri to keep it within 15 and a half. 
and to threaten Georgia. You know, in the, in the two and a half years now that Georgia has gone without losing a game, the teams, Missouri has really handled them as well as anybody. They're the, the, the one team that scared them twice is Mizzou, but Mizzou just isn't to Georgia's level. I don't know if they ever will be to Georgia's level, but they gave it a good run and they take on Tennessee this weekend. Missouri had, I mean, I know I've seen on the internet, on Twitter, people complaining about the referees and, oh, they didn't call this and, oh, what about this call? Missouri had an opportunity down 27 to 21. They held Georgia to a field goal and then they get the ball, and then they immediately turn it over. Mm-hmm. They hold them to another field goal, and then they turn it over again. I don't care about all of the other things that happen in a game. The players have to make the play. You get a chance to beat the number two team in the country at, at their home, down by six, and you turn the ball over. You have to take care of the football. You cannot make those mistakes. Everyone has to be on the same page, working their butt off to, to ensure that those things don't happen. You Only thing you can ask for is an opportunity late in the game with an opportunity to go ahead or win the game, and Missouri had that. And so they didn't take care of the business. They, they turned the ball over. Good game by them. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, it wasn't, they didn't get smacked, but it, it has to be a little bit more frustrating knowing that you're down six points with the football, with a chance to go the length of the field to, to – tie that game up or go ahead in that game. And there's no such thing as moral victories, yeah. right? But Mizzou, I felt like, really competed well against Georgia. And Randy, as you mentioned, they do that. They are able to compete well with Georgia. But when you're looking at the rankings right now, I thought Mizzou performed like a top 15 team, but it came down to those mental mistakes, right? Towards the end yep. for Mizzou. And Georgia going in the red zone two more times and then Mizzou losing the turnover battle two to nothing. That was the difference. And CD, you mentioned that being one of the key last week is you can't make mistakes against a team like Georgia and that was just deflating at the end there Brady Cook with that interception by that D Lyman stack house right that big guy interception that's always a deflating moment but there's still some positives and I think the takeaway for me no moral victories but at the same time Mizzou deserves to be ranked and they proved that against Georgia and Cody Schrader needs to be playing on Sundays here soon and I think that there's some other players defensively that I think that we'll see playing on Sundays in the NFL coming from Mizzou, but Cody Schrader was really, really good against Georgia. I, I, I am thrilled for a young man like that because you go to a D2 school, he was ripping it up here in St. Louis and, and had a had a great high school career, didn't get the looks because of how college football works now, go to a D2 school, walk on, he killed it there, walks on at Mizzou, and now he is one of the top running backs in the SEC and in the country. You have to tip your cap to a young man like that. Taking the long road, not being frustrated, not saying, woe is me, I deserve this. No, I'm just working my butt off and show you all that I deserve it, and he's proven it every single day. And there have been a lot, a lot of years where a Mizzou offensive line had no chance against a Georgia defensive line. And that's generally the way it should be because Georgia's Mm -hmm. getting four and five star guys, Mizzou's getting two and three star guys. Missouri's offensive line stood up to Georgia's defensive line. So kudos to them as well. And they gave Schrader the holes. College basketball starts tonight. Mizzou is going to be home against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Eastern Illinois is at the University of Illinois and right here in St. Louis at Chaffetz Arena. Southern Indiana will visit the Billikens. So uh, college basketball is here right on the heels of the end of the baseball season. It's flying by.
It is. This time, year is flying by. Time, it's a flying. Y'all beat Kansas, Carrie. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Illini fan for the go. next like six months. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, I'll December. Tell you, I'll tell you that one day in December. Till December. Did you say you're going to be an Illinois fan? Is yeah, because we beat Kansas. I'm always down oh, okay. to root for Illinois basketball. Illinois basketball is always fun. I have no problem with Illinois football either. It's just, you know. What about what <laughs> about Dennis Saturday? Gates? You did. That was a big win. Really? Oh, yeah. Who'd you drill? Uh, we didn't drill. Well, we won. <laughs> oh, Minnesota twenty seven. And then your boy 26. got some oh, okay. time in the NFL. Tommy DeVito. Yeah. it might be his yeah. last time in the NFL. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. You know, gotta love him, but he you gotta play better, brother. Let's see, 24, 25. I think in twenty six, Lindenwood opens up with Minnesota. Ooh. Oh, yeah, we'll handle those Golden Gophers. Get them. Get them. <laughs> All right, we're off and running here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You know, you can watch us on our Air Alliance Team Studio Cam. Just go to YouTube and search 101 ESPN STL, and you'll be able to watch us. And uh, we're going to talk to jo- uh, Chris Kerber later in the show. A lot coming up here on 101, including next up, what we love from the weekend on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Flash from Dallas, apparently official. Our uh, our opening drive video is now working. Apparently it was not working off the bat, but it's working now. Matthew, are you aware of this? I am aware of it, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, and I was aware of it before the... Uh, seven comments on YouTube and the eight texts okay, good. Uh, that we got into our wonderful text line at 314-399-9646. Um, so, yeah, we got it all fixed. I hit the uh, 31399. Yo! Yo. Yo. Yeah. I hit the one button that needed to be hit. Okay, there was good. one stupid button. There's always yeah, just one stupid always button. One stupid if, anyone, button. Yeah, if anyone asks you, what was the issue? It was probably just one dumb button. All right. Well, now you can add video engineer to your resume. Yeah. Audio uh, and you know video what? engineer. Oh you know what? Now that we do the cameras and stuff and, and we do a little more video um, content, Content around the station, yeah, I'm, I'm adding it in. Good. There you go. All right. Uh, what did we love about the weekend? Brooke, take it away. Number two. I'm going to start off with congratulating City SC fans and seeing the amount of support. Randy, you were showing me the video. I know that our friend of the show, Chris Muir, was mm-hmm. out there for uh, supporting City SC. And it's not the way that you wanted things in, of course. But it has been a amazing, fantastic, whatever you want to describe it as, regular season for City SC, not the way that you want to get knocked out of the first round, but the fans, to me, were the MVP of the season. The way that they continue to show up, the way that they made the home atmosphere, City Park, just absolutely electric and hard to compete in. I think that that says a lot about St. Louisans and St. Louis fans in general and soccer fans here in St. Louis. So congratulations to City SC fans for really building this atmosphere, something that is going to be you know, seen as uh, across all soccer as kind of the standard mm-hmm. of what you're looking for in a fan base. For me, it was, I'm going to be football heavy today based on what I saw <laughs> yesterday. I'm going to start with the Houston Texans and give C.J. Stroud some love, love, love because he went 32 for 40, uh, 30 for 42, 470 yards, five touchdowns. They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dare Ogumbawale, a backup running back. Can you say that again? Dare Ogumbawale. Well done. Backup nice. running back. Kicks a, a go-ahead field goal because their starting kicker got hurt. They uh, D'Amico Ryans and what he's doing with that team, C.J. Stroud, the perfect draft pick for that team. Just how great they are playing is, is spectacular. And 
how can you not? CJ Stroud took that team down there with less than a minute left and won that game. It was spectacular. Watching him play football has to make a bunch of teams that selected quarterbacks in this past year's draft envious that they didn't go get him. You know, it's interesting that part of it, even NFL people will tell you, is the Ohio State quarterback syndrome. Yes. Because Ohio State quarterbacks hadn't succeeded. Mm-hmm. Now, one has. He's, it's like the he's... old Big 12 quarterback. People wouldn't take Big 12 quarterbacks because they had never won. Then Patrick Mahomes happened. <laughs> <laughs> you got to scout the individual. Just take one. Yeah. Uh, guys, my number two, and I, I'm going to go football too. And yes, do, does Randy hold a grudge? Yes, he does. But at least I admit it. But... I take such glee in the Rams and Cowboys losing. And yesterday, you've got both of them on TV in St. Louis, and the Rams get drilled by the hapless Packers, yeah. no less, oh. by a score of 20-3. to three. That was fun. And then, just to have the Eagles steal the thought of a win from the Cowboys was so much fun. Cowboys thought they had that thing, but you know what? Cowboys can't play when the chips are down, and the Eagles can, and so the Eagles come away with a 28-23 victory, and it was glorious. I loved it. You're so excited. Oh, it's so great. It's beautiful. Yeah, those two guys. And you know what? It has nothing to do with the players or the coaches. Just to see the two owners have to suffer. I don't know if Stan (laughs) suffers as much as Jerry does, but to see them lose is wonderful. We need a campaign for like a camera in their little suite so Mm -hmm. we can see their reactions. Oh, yeah. That'd be funny. Randy Cam, we can name it that. Yeah, okay. You can get a sponsor. We can do that. Uh, yeah, let's do <laughs> so that. you can see their pain and suffering. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> number one. My number one is going to be this past weekend I went home, so I'm going to also segue into some football because I got to spend some time with my parents. It's my mom's birthday today, so we celebrated oh, happy that. Birthday. Happy birthday, Irma. She listens oh, go, every morning. Yes, as good as my dad. She Yes, she, she listens every single morning. Um, And then I also got to spend time with my dad. We watched the Titans game. And for me, it was just a very special moment because that is why I got into sports is because of my dad. My mom also loves football, too. But just spending time watching the games with my dad. Was it fun at times to watch the Titans? No. But even in the bad moments, being able to spend that with him uh, brought back a lot of fond memories. And I haven't been able to watch a game with him, just us two in the same city together in a really long time. So it was just really special to be able to share that. I think sports is the best bonding agent between parents and kids. Yes. You know, whether it's kids playing them or just sitting watching together, that was definitely my favorite memories as a kid are going to football cardinal games with my dad. Yeah, yeah, that it, exactly. My dad also, when I got home, he had a photo ready of when he would do the face paint and the flame head because he wanted to show me that. Oh, that's so and cool. uh, he had one of the flame heads. Yes. Oh, oh that's awesome. Oh, yes, and that was and that just brings back so many memories, right? Of going with him to games and experiencing that, and that's where my sports fandom started from. He also had a wide check jersey and also Eddie George jersey ready to go. <laughs> In case the Titans beat the Steelers, but that didn't happen. We appreciate the the effort. (laughs) Here we go, Steelers. (laughs) Uh, For me, my number one, I mean, let's, let's talk about it. Joshua Dobbs gets traded last week to the Minnesota Vikings, not expected to play. They were going to go with the rookie, Jaron Hall, and he gets injured, gets concussed in the first quarter. Joshua Dobbs is literally on the sideline learning the cadence. He does damn the plays. He can't even get the center to snap the ball correctly because he doesn't know their verbiage for how they are going to snap it. He is taking snaps on the sideline. All of the offensive linemen as well as the coaches are surrounding him, and they are going through the cadence. 
he doesn't know his teammates' names, and he's able to give the Packers a chance in that game. Sorry, the uh, the Vikings a chance in that game versus the, versus the Falcons. Came back and won it. I mean, listen, Joshua Dobbs can play some football, and he deserves an opportunity to be starting somewhere. He did this year. He did did a great job with the uh, Arizona Cardinals while he was playing. They obviously don't want to win games, so they don't want a guy that can help them win games. They moved on from him. But he is a very, very good quarterback, and I thought that was outstanding for a young man to come in, not even know the guys on the team, and help that team win the game. He's literally a rocket scientist from? Tennessee. Well, he's not from Tennessee, is he? University. University yes, of, University of Tennessee. Coming from the University of Tennessee. Rocket scientist with a rocket arm. How about that? There but I go. think he was the epitome of stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Go. The way that he was able to step up to that challenge says a lot about him and his IQ. How about that? Very oh, oh. Uh, my number one. Guys, do me a favor. Regardless of how old you are as a baseball fan, a Cardinal fan, Go to YouTube and just type in Ozzie Smith highlights. Uh, the, I had the great good fortune of uh, leading a conversation with Ozzie Smith at the Lindenwood Gala on Friday night. And my introduction to good baseball was the 1980s Cardinals and Whitey Ball and Ozzie Smith. And we had a chance because the demographic was older. Usually we're talking to young people. The demographic was a, a group that had seen Ozzie play. So we got to talk about things during the 80s, and he, was, he got to tell some stories. And he, he, he's a great storyteller. It's wonderful. But before we got to the conversation, there was a video, and it literally took my breath away. Because I still can't believe, and you forget, if, if the last time you watched him play was the early year he retired in 1996, you need to go be reminded of how unbelievable Ozzie Smith was, because he truly was, and you didn't need any shifts for Ozzie Smith. It's, no. it's amazing how balls would be hit up the middle and he wouldn't be in the picture, and then all of a sudden he would. And he would be on the other side of second base making a diving play. And the quickness and the 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 athleticism with which he played the sport, I long for those days. And I hope that Mason Wynn's athleticism is utilized by the Cardinals. But we had the greatest defensive shortstop that not only ever did play, but ever will play. You can't be better yeah. than Ozzie Smith. And it was fun to be with him on Friday night. But man, it's it's fun to go back and look at what he did because it was what he did as a player was ridiculous. It really is. And he's so kind and friendly. You know, sometimes you say, what is it about you? So you don't want to meet your idols yeah. or something Never, like that. Yeah. But he is so kind. And there were so many times when I first got here that I could go up and ask him a question when he was around and he would take the time to break things down for me. I don't know many people who would do that. And just the fact that he was willing to do that, he has such a love and passion for the game and for sports in general mm -hmm. because he's done so much for our community when it comes to golf, getting the PGA Championship here and campaigning for other big events like that to come here to St. Louis. He is a true champion of St. Louis. And he plays golf on a regular basis with former football cardinal Willard Harrell. And <laughs> evidently really at some times they, they are competitive <laughs> matches. That's uh, I would love to watch uh, that. Yeah, it's... Uh, if you're an Aussie fan, <laughs> if, you're, if you're rooting for Willard to win, I don't know. I love Willard. He's great. And it's great to have him here in town. All right, that's what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, four downs from this weekend in the NFL on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber.
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azec to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, four downs from the National Football League. First down. All right, CD, what do you got? So I was looking and and paying attention to what's going on in the NFL, right? And one of my friends had tweeted this the other day. Well, yesterday actually. Watching, he's a he's a he's a Bengals fan. I'm obviously a Steelers fan, but he said the rest of the AFC might need to win their division because you might get all four AFC North teams in the playoffs, and that would be. I, I know it probably won't happen, but you're more than likely going to get three of them. And mm-hmm. so, if you got three, that means you only got four other spots. Those other AFC teams are going to be scrapping, scraping, trying to find a way to get into the playoffs. The AFC North is the best division in football right now, and they are playing at a high level. The Baltimore Ravens might be the best team in the league. The Pittsburgh Steelers somehow find a way to be 5-3. and three. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are on the rise, and they are a team that no one wants to face right now, and they're last in the division. So... This is going to be a, a division that is going to be a – you're going to want to keep an eye on. And if you have any aspirations, if you are the uh, Los Angeles Chargers or if you are the Buffalo Bills, if you are the Houston Texans, you 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 need to win the division. Because if not, you're probably not going to make the playoffs. In the AFC North, who do you think is better? And I know that you look at the record, as you mentioned there, Ravens 7-2 and two mm-hmm. and Bengals are 5-3. and three, But who do you think is better? Because as you mentioned, the Bengals are on the rise and they look like a really good team. I think it's who's at home. I really do. I think, honestly, as even though the, the, the Baltimore Ravens record is better, they haven't faced each other yet this year, I don't believe. Um, the Ravens, yeah, they lost. They did. They played week two, and the and the Bengals lost. Um, but that was Joe Burrow still injured. They lost by three points at home. I think that the Ravens. I think that the the Bengals are the better team mm-hmm. because a healthy Joe Burrow, along with all of those guys that they have around them, now. That's tough to say because the Ravens are playing at a high level. I think Joe Burrow is a better quarterback. I think the Ravens are the better team. How about that? Okay. I'll I'll take that. Yeah. Second down. We touched on this a little bit earlier, but how about Josh freaking Dobbs, guys? He deserves all of the credit in the world. I don't know if these teams necessarily, I'm talking about the Cardinals and Vikings, were looking for wins or a quarterback that could lead them to victory, but that's what you're getting with Josh Dobbs. I mean, he was the superhero for the Vikings on Sunday and he wore all the capes completing a comeback on that final drive, that final drive, that touchdown there at the end. And he finished 
20 of 30, passing for 158 yards and two touchdowns. He also had 66 yards on the ground on seven carries. Josh Dobbs, the way that he was able to really absorb that game plan on a whim is very, very impressive because he wasn't meant to be in this situation. CD, as you broke down earlier, of course, we know what happened with Kirk Cousins. And then you had the injury with Allen, right? There was Allen as the backup Mm -hmm. quarterback or Jaron Hall, excuse me. Jaron Hall, uh, the backup quarterback, he was injured and just six throws and exited with a concussion. But the way that Josh Dobbs was able to absorb all that on a whim and just take control of that game, he deserves to be a starter elsewhere. And I thought this was interesting, too. Kevin O'Connell was essentially translating calls and mapping out the plays mid-huddle as the play clock was ticking down. And he called Dobbs' ability to handle all of that one of the most impressive things that he has seen in his entire career. I, I, I don't think... You would have to. It's like learning a complete different language. Mm-hmm. The terminology that one team has in comparison to another team. If you don't even know the snap count or the cadence, they those change as well. The audibles change. All of that changes from team to team. To be able to go into a game, a, an NFL game, and not know any of that, and the head coach who is speaking in your ear is processing, giving you that information, and you're able to process it that fast – that is a genius. That is someone that is extremely intelligent and is able to take on pretty much anything because learning an offense is one of the hardest things you will do in the NFL. And to be able to do it real time in a game and win that game, that's that's amazing. So quick question for you guys, because we we're saying he deserves to be a starter. Is he going to be the Vikings answer moving forward? Yes. Jared Hall has a concussion. This year, you're saying this year. Oh, moving forward this year, yeah. Next year. No. Yeah. They're going to resign Cousins. They're going to bring Cousins back. They've already, they're talking about that in that building. I believe they will. Yeah. Third down. Well, guys, we're missing out on something in the NFL because of preconceived notions. And granted, yes, it's the team that Joshua Dobbs left. The Arizona Cardinals had 58 yards yesterday. 58 (laughs) yards against the Cleveland Browns. The Browns had another game where they held a team to 98 yards this year. They're far and away the best defense in the league. And for the era, the Browns this year are comparable to the 2000 Ravens or the 85 Bears. What they're doing is incredible. There might not be a better non-quarterback first pick in the draft in the last, well, since the merger, than Miles Garrett. He is an absolute stud. He should be the defensive player of the year in the NFL. But look at what Arizona was able to accomplish yesterday. Granted, they aren't very good. One of 12 on third down. 48 plays is all they ran. Uh, They had 14 total drives, averaging 1.2 yards per play. This is an NFL offense, granted. Again, it's not a great NFL offense, but if you can hold a group of NFL players, 11 NFL players on offense to 58 yards, you have done something really special. And the Browns are doing it on a regular basis this year. We're missing out on it because of what we think of Cleveland. Cleveland had their first shutout for the this was their first shutout since 2007. Oof. That that is a long time. A lot of football mm-hmm. games have been played since they shut a team out. The Arizona Cardinals aren't trying to win. You you knew that when they let Joshua Dobbs leave. That was their only chance. There was no chance that they were going to bring Kyler Murray back, and I don't think they're going to let him play. If they do, it'll be to the point where they're almost guaranteed the number one pick, regardless of whether he wins or loses. This team is not a team that's trying to win, and Joshua Dobbs clearly gave them a chance to win every single weekend. Clayton Toon does not.
And so right. that that you you're just you 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 got a team that's not trying to win. That's got to be frustrating for the guys that are on that roster that want to play every single Sunday and want to play well. And but by the way, a team that was trying, Tennessee was the other team that had less than 100 yards against Cleveland. They had 98. The Ravens are really good defense, and they're allowing 262.6 yards a game. The Browns are in first place, averaging 234.8 against them. Points-wise, Browns are allowing 13, uh, I'm sorry, 17.4 points a game. Uh, And the the impressive thing about that is they don't have an offense that is potent in the in the way that other teams when you have a, a defense like that normally you have an offense that is scoring a lot of points or you know putting up a lot of points doing things they're they're just they're playing really well defensively and it's a shame that you know they still got to figure some things out offense Deshaun Watson played better yesterday but he still got to play a lot better in my opinion yeah fourth down all right and uh we can see the impact of a coaching change right because all you need to do is look at the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, they come away with a victory after, by the way, uh, a meeting that uh, among players that caused Josh McDaniels to get fired. That, the, yeah. that was... You You normally have player meetings, right, where you, you air out your grievances. It's never... I've never heard of or been a part of a meeting where the players are airing out their grievances to the head coach to the point where they're saying this is what you're doing and this is what you're causing to the point where when they got to practice the next day, they said he was a completely different person. It was like he was a shell of himself, like he had been talked to in a manner in which they let him have it and let him know exactly who he was and exactly what he was doing and how he was impacting that team. And he was a shell of himself at the next next practice, almost like he wasn't there. Right. No. And at the meeting, he asked Antonio <laughs> Pierce to defend him. And Pierce got up and talked about how the Giants prepared to beat McDaniel's Patriots in the Super Bowl in the two upsets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh and he said, and, and then McDaniel said something along the lines of like, why did you say that? Or something yeah. like it, it caused even more tension. I was telling you guys last week about that meeting. And now that these reports are coming out about it, of what actually was going on in that meeting, it's like, oh, he was Done. Yeah. Those done players wanted dinner. him out yeah. of there. Yeah. Yeah. Can I give you a Colorado fifth down? Yes. yes. Yesterday, they, they do a TV post-game show for Patriots games, as you might here. imagine. We don't want to do it here. Yeah. Down, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, oh, we, do, we have fifth down? No, I'm saying you, okay. fifth down is, do it. Yeah, is it's not a Missouri fun thing. to Mizzou. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, three, and it was uh, three respected media members in Boston are debating whether or not the Patriots should get rid of Belichick now or give him the respect to finish out the season. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they're 2-7, and, they're two and seven, <laughs> and that was the discussion on the show. Wow. Yeah, let him finish the season out. I would say yeah. so. You know, <laughs> he's earned that. Yeah, he's and earned coaching that. change Dude, isn't going to turn anything Did they have wrong Boston there. accents, too, while oh, they, they were doing it? Bo- get him out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, but actually, Tom Curran of NBC Boston was uh, rational and said, "Yeah, you 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 can't get rid of him now." But uh, let him finish it out. But isn't that unbelievable that they're even having that discussion? That's so Boston, Randy, though. Yeah. That's people so hate Boston. losing. I don't know. Like people, I know you know Illinois fans. We're accustomed to it. Mizzou fans, to a degree, they're accustomed yep. to it. But really, other places, people hate losing. Like it's not okay. Yeah. Losing is not acceptable. But when you do it so much, you kind of get familiar and comfortable. So. Yeah. And by the way, <laughs> the misery and the pain. Yeah, you just yeah. deal with it. He he is under contract through twenty twenty four. And another thing they brought up was the possibility of maybe of the Patriots trading him. Who's going to trade for Bill Belichick? <laughs> uh, Washington. Oh yeah, they, I did hear that. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. For him. 
So anyway, that's fifth down. That's four downs a year on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Text line is open for you. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. All right, kids, take it or leave it. St. Louis City SC makes the playoffs next year. Oh, take it. I'm going to take it. Okay. Why? Why, why are you I feel like that there's well, they do. They've got the lowest payroll in the league, right? Second lowest. What is, what is uh, they, they, they had a magical first season, but now teams are going to spend this short off season watching tape. How do we defend St. Louis City SC? Uh, I... I really don't know how good they'll be next year. I, I hope that they'll be a playoff team. It'd be great. But I just don't know. <laughs> oh. Bait? I don't know. I think that's okay. I agree. I'll take it. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about Joshua Dobbs uh, this morning <laughs> and his performance on the weekend. Joshua Dobbs has played for one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven teams in his what was it six year seven year career. Mm-hmm. He's played for the Steelers. The he's been on the roster. He hasn't played games for all these guys. But the Steelers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Browns, the Lions, the Titans, the Arizona Cardinals, and now the Minnesota Vikings. So I think that's seven teams, right? Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. He could be starting for five of those teams right now. Oh, I, I, at least I'm going to take it. Only two that he wouldn't be starting for would be Jacksonville and Detroit, in my opinion. But he could be starting for Pittsburgh yep. right now. Yep. Yes. He could be starting for Cleveland right now. Yep. He could be starting for Tennessee right now mm-hmm. still. He was starting for the Cardinals, and they said, you got to get out of here, foul. Yeah. We don't want to win games. And he's starting right now for the Minnesota Vikings. I honestly That's amazing. No, it is. I honestly wish that he would have stayed in Tennessee because there was a chance they could have moved Ryan Tannehill before the season started. One, saved you some money, and you could have kept Josh Dobbs while still developing Will Levis and Malik Willis behind him. I just find it intriguing that this young man has his career is going in this pattern, and he just professional as they come shows up, works works his butt off, and and finds a way to keep his team, you know, in games or as he did yesterday, win a game. Two things: number one, it shows you how stupidly impatient NFL teams are, and it also shows that if a guy is in the right place at the right time, it can make all the difference in the world. When you get drafted number one overall, generally, you're going to a really bad team. And it's going to be a bad situation for you. And usually they have bad coaches and bad ownership. Yep. And sometimes you just need to get lucky like Patrick Mahomes did or Lamar Jackson did, where you have a coach creative enough to utilize your talents properly and you know, it's you could wind up like Mitchell Trubisky, talented guy, right? But wrong place, wrong time. Bradford, right? Wrong place, wrong time. It's just mm-hmm. such a game of being in the right place it at the is. right time. It look is. at Roethlisberger. I mean, look, Big Ben. Uh, when I, the night of that draft, what, that was the 2004 draft, right? Mm-hmm. 
I was talking to Mike Martz, who was the head coach of the Rams at the time, outside the Rams facility, and he was just asking, hey, what's going on in the draft? And I said, it looks like the Raiders are going to take uh, Robert Gallery. And he said, you know what, i got to go in and call Norv and tell him he's got to take this Roethlisberger kid. Huh. And they had already set on Gallery. Can you imagine if Big Ben winds up in Oakland? It, right. oh, what a man. disaster yep. that winds up being. Yep. Yeah. So, right place, right place, right time. Exactly. Yeah. So, guys, Yoshi Yamamoto officially hitting the market here. Very exciting times. As you guys saw, too, his last outing in Japan was a pretty big one. 138 pitches, bro. Yes, through a complete game, 138 pitches, 14 strikeouts. Take it or leave it, guys. Yamamoto, and I know that the Cardinals have been reportedly in or will be in on the bidding war for him. They will be in the conversation but will not land Yamamoto. Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it they'll even be in the conversation. They're already in the they already sent their uh cons- conciliar conciliar well, over there. Conciliar. Yeah. Why why would why would the Cardinals want a person to pitch 138 pitches, Randy? <laughs> well, that doesn't really fit their MO, does it? No. It doesn't fit their or MO. Their, or their OM. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's not who they are. No. It's not It's not they, they, uh, Here's the thing though. If Yachty's in, if, y- if Yachty's in that dugout, does he say, "Papi, let him go"? How many how many pitches? How many how many how much money does does Yamamoto uh, cost? A couple hundred mil. Two hundred? Yeah. Yeah. Two hundred. Twenty-five years old. Huh. Mm-hmm. Friends with Lars. Yes. That gives us an inside I track. Tell you what, home, you all. When it happens, loves, loves the zoo. When it happens, you all let me know. Until then, I won't concern myself with. Things that I don't believe are going to happen. Make believe, Randy, is what we like to call it. Oh, in my younger days, Yoshi is it Yoshi Yamamoto. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yoshi and Yadi. Yeah. Oh, I already see the revenue, the marketing mm-hmm. ability. You so you betcha. get your money back. Yeah, probably tenfold, bro. Cool. Oh yeah. yeah. If you win a championship, it really helps. Yep. And the Japan fans will come to see Yoshi. Oh, they will. Oh, yeah. and Lars too. I mean, and they I'm and they also like it. Nolan. Because Nolan That's went right. over there with Good Lars. Point. I'm all for yeah. it. Matthew, what do we have on the text line? Take it or leave it. London needs to play more games for City next season to keep Berkey fresh. Take it. Was mm, take Ber- it all day. Berkey, Berkey mm. said he was tired. Yeah. That was like one of the first things he said. That was, was like, he was like, I'm was tired. Just like I'll Joe Murphy. It. So it's a rough schedule. It is. Rugged. Brutal. Ooh, there you go. I like that. CD. Hey Carrie, what you got? Hey Carrie, everyone can see your face. You can't like, <laughs> hide. Oh, you can't I hide your face. He was like, "Oh, CD feels nothing was, about this comment." I forgot ahead, our cameras buddy. were back up and running. Stay with your chest. <laughs> I just, you know, hey man, I don't care how tired anyone is when the playoffs hit. We're all, everyone's tired. We got, we got a job to do. You know, I'm not saying that it's not true. I know but, what you're saying. You're yeah. giving me the, the old Bill Parcells, right? right? Don't tell me about the labor. Just yeah, show, show me, me the baby. The, yes, that's it. That's Love all it. we worry about. The end result. Here we go. Take it or leave it. Illinois should elevate John Paddock to QB1 and then take the Big Ten West along with the Big Ten Championship. Oh, yeah. I, I, I and I. Sure. Okay. Got okay. Trying to get a little bit in there. Man, listen. I'm happy we won. Okay. It's awesome. Awesome to get a W, but, you know. Illinois is, uh, we got work to do, man. Take it or leave it. The Steelers go undefeated in the AFC North the rest of the year. Leave it. Ooh, I'm going to leave that too. Yeah. They are, They beat the the Ravens. Um, did they lose to the Browns? And did they already lose to the Browns? I 
don't remember. Let's see. They played them? They beat the Ravens on a last-minute touchdown. They the No, they beat the Browns. Okay. Which is intriguing. Um, they have, they have they the Browns. Play. They have the Browns uh, at the Browns, at the Bengals, <laughs> um, and then they have a couple weeks off in NFC, AFC North games, and then they close out with hosting the Bengals and at the Ravens two of the last three weeks of the yeah, season. I believe that. They'll beat the Browns in their next uh, yeah, contest. Yeah, both Bengals, though. But then they'll probably split. Well, you know, that depends. Who hey. plays quarterback for Pittsburgh? Yeah, Kenny, Kenny Pickett. Who plays quarterback for Cincinnati? Joey B. That might, yeah. be, a, that might right. be a sweep. Might not be a split. <laughs> you might be right. But you were talking about Najee Harris last week. Remember when you were asking <laughs> us about go. the running backs? you got to keep yeah. him on the ground. They can go four and two in the division. CJ Stroud has more touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett in his career. No. Yikes. Wow. That's a might have had more in his, in his last game than Kenny Pickett does this season. <laughs> take it or leave it. That was one of the roughest days of Sunday NFL football you've ever oh, seen. Oh, take it. Mm. It was some bad matchups. That wasn't, I mean, that damn Rams-Packers uh, game. Kind of boring. <sighs> it's just. It wasn't exactly Aaron Rodgers versus Matthew No. No. It was, it was not. It was some bad games this weekend. What did you was, guys think of the Germany game, Chiefs and Dolphins? I hated it that it was that early. <laughs> Just I didn't mind. brunch it. Yeah. We brunched it. Did you? Yeah. I, like this. Mm-hmm. I only watched the first half and then we went for a bike ride. <laughs> you had enough. At yeah, that I had point. enough. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it would be 42 nothing. The Browns and, I had the, college basketball and the Cardinals <laughs> were it's just there. The Commanders and Patriots, the Bears and the Aints. Sorry, Saints. Yeah. <laughs> the Aints. It's just not there. Great. Not great. Yeah, Take the Bears, a- man, watching the Bears game must be brutal. I was, I was, so they traded up to get Trubisky. Traded up to get uh, fields. fields, and now they've got an undrafted Division Two guy <laughs> starting a quarterback. That's amazing how life works. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I Division Two, love it. Yeah, oh, so I, I think love it's D two. So everyone, somebody tell everyone. Every time somebody tells me the people working for sports teams know what they're doing, I just I like to bring up examples. You can't predict any of this. That's all I'm saying. There's no uh, no way they thought that was happening. I know. Take it or leave it. Every time Randy brings up the free zoo, you get a little bit more hope for the Cardinals offseason. Totally take it. Take it. it. Has it worked yet? We know Nola loves it. Has it worked yet? Why did Matt Holiday resign here? Thank you. It had nothing to do with $120 million. He had little kids. You sure? Why did Albert Pujols come back? Yep. Ask Keith Kachuk why he stayed, why he came back to the Blues. They trade him to Atlanta, and he comes back. Why? Free zoo, best zoo in the country, and it's free. I I mean, I don't want to be that guy, Randy. Okay, Rob. Izzy. I know Izzy's listening. I, I don't want to be that guy. Izzy, Izzy, Izzy. I do think if you got 120 million dollars, you might be able to take your family to the zoo, even if it isn't free. No, you remember millionaires all... like free things. No, nah, I mean, everybody does. Nice. And, and it's great. Yeah. My friend Emery, Aaron Moorhead. His father is Emery. Mm-hmm. He played for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. His saying is, "If it ain't free, you pay too much." Mm. Randy, when, Randy, when did uh, Jason Edersinghausen come here? 2001, I believe. Pretty sure that's right when the zoo opened the uh, the, the petting zoo in the little kids yep, area. Right. Wow. It had nothing For to do with, the, with his family. Yeah. His, sure. it, it had nothing to do with his family being here or the $28 million or being from Brighton, Illinois and growing up a Cardinal fan okay. and having it be his dream situation. It was all about <laughs> the free going zoo. Going to that zoo for yeah. how, how many times do you think families go to that zoo? At least in once or twice a year. While, the, uh, while, it's while, they're, while they're playing. Yeah, it's oh, it's playing fun. Baseball. When you go walk over to Forest Park, I, do, I would do that all the time during the summertime and I'd be like, I'm, I'm just going to go into the zoo because it's free. Thank you, It's bro. easy to do. And then... I, hey. <laughs> You all are correct. I I am wrong here. Look, free Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola, when he signs, it's going to be because of the free zoo. Remember we, we brought it up? It we did. Yeah, he already knew about it. He's thrilled. Okay, Imagine the top, his picture now. Top he's, ten uh, 
Oh, whoa, holy cow. <laughs> top, top 10 Japan zoo tickets. And got, <laughs> experience award-winning spa treatments in downtown Tokyo. This zoo costs $301.29. For a day? <laughs> yep. Are you sure you're not looking at yen? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe. Is it yen? Is it, is it yen? Or is it even more or less? Uh, it's, I think it's just, I think it's less. Oh, here's yes. one. The Yokohama Zoo is only 667 but that's not free. Uh, so uh, you're telling me a uh, wait a zoo costs that much? <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't that crazy? Well, San Diego's is like eighty five bucks. Is it yen, is it, is it yen no. or is San it dollars? San Diego's is like eighty five dollars. It, it is, but it is extremely wait, nice. It's eighty five dollars. Yeah. I've taken myself yep. and my children. It it costs. It does cost. How much it's does like, it it's cost almost for like children? Going, it's almost like going to uh, Disney World. Yeah, you know, Disney World is like eighty bucks a pop. What do you get in there? You get to look at the free the animals. Yeah, the difference is, is at Disney World you can animals? put your kid on the animal's shoulders and then take a no, picture of them. No, those are the same animals. You're, but you're, you're paying eighty five dollars for the a tram. same. You're riding a tram through the zoo. You're not walking through it. You're not getting right up next to the animals. <laughs> I don't like that. That's, That's why nobody wants to go to San Diego and, and everybody Nashville, wants to come to St. Louis. It's th- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I would have to disagree oh. there. Have you been, what's the temperature in San Diego right That's now as we question. speak? 72. <laughs> God, that, that would be a killer for a stand-up special. Week. Listen, this week is the, is the key word. It's There's like San Diego here. This week. <laughs> Because last week it was like 30 degrees on Tuesday. Antarctica. Yeah. It was like 25 degrees last Tuesday. It's 57 in San Diego right now. High high of 71 today, high of 70 tomorrow, high of 69. What's the low? What's the low? Uh, 56, 58. That's what we want to look at. 48. 48 on Friday. That's freezing. That's freezing in San Diego. They got coats on, coats and hats. Thanks very much for your text. Coming up, we've got a quick. uh, a quick, fresh take. What aspect of the resurgent blues jumped out to you the most this weekend? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Now is Saad in front. Back door to Kyrie. He scores! Back in. Thomas to the middle on his forehand. Score! Robert Thomas goals in three straight games. Everyone is trying to get this captain on the board. Look out, here it is. He shoots, he scores! Just like that, Joe Braden Shen. Yeah, you know, I think, again, it's confidence with a lot of them guys that are scorers and skilled guys. I mean, you know, you get a couple goals, a few points, you start to feel it. I mean, you know, you make more plays. That's the Chief, Craig Berube, after the Blues won their second consecutive game on Saturday night over Montreal, 6-3, back-to-back nights with games, back-to-back nights with wins, and the Blues score 10 in the two games. And to me, that, guys, is what stands out for the Blues. They have not been a goal-scoring team this year. To break out with 10 in two games is a dramatic departure and hopefully something that becomes more of a regular occurrence. There's a simple text from the 636, and I think it really um, you know, puts it into perspective as to how the Blues were able to have such success over the weekend. It's, it's a simple breakdown, but but you know can be a little bit nuanced to just a tad bit. They shot the puck. Mm-hmm. That's what the text says. They shot the puck. They shot the <laughs> puck, and the puck actually went in. It's it's a simple thing, but sometimes it can be t- a tough task to figure out. You shoot the puck, you score. 
they shot the puck. They they had more shots on goal both of those games, which is something that they haven't done uh, except for one time this season. And so they were able to shoot more. They got more shots to go in, and they won the games. And that's essentially what it has become. If they are – they can be a good team. They've had opportunities, and I felt like that they were trying to be too perfect at times, making an extra pass when it wasn't needed. You're right in front of the net. Hey, brother, shoot the puck. Let's see if you if you miss it. Maybe there's a rebound and somebody else comes in and taps it in. But shooting the puck helps. 35 shots on goal in each game. That, that, that helps. Yeah. It helps. It, the more you shoot, the more chances you have to score. And that's the thing is it was good for check, as you mentioned there, taking the shot instead of just the extra pass. Yes. That was so frustrating to watch in just these games early on this season and skating hard. I feel like this is the way that Baruby wants them to play when they're executing this new system. And it's the way that they should be playing with the guys that they have. And Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, those are the types of games that you want to see from them. I've, I've been impressed with Jordan Cairo and his abilities this season. I know that he's worked on being more of a two-way player and I think that you were finally seeing it pay off on the offensive side in that game against the Canadians this past weekend and with Robert Thomas I'm excited that he's shooting the puck more yeah he has a good shot he needs to take advantage of it and I'm sure that that's something that they tell him all the time by the way 15 goals for the Blues in their first eight games and then 10 in the last two the other thing that was good to see obviously especially on Friday night was New Jersey, which is a good team. Hughes got hurt early in that game, in the first period of that game, and he's their bell cow offensively. But to only allow one goal and hold them down like the Blues did and allow the shot, the type of shots that they allowed really worked out in the Blues' favor because the system wants to keep the puck out of the middle of the ice, and the Blues were able to do that in allowing 33 shots. Not many of them were from the middle, and so the you, you get plenty of opportunity to see what's going on if you're the goalie like Bennington was. And he played well, taking nothing away from him, but at least they made it a little bit easier for him. I think that's important. I mean, just this defense is, is has been pretty good this year. The, the, the change of philosophies, which is going to allow more shots on goal, but not the high danger shots that they have faced in the past years, that's a good thing, but offensively, for whatever reason, I don't know if they were they were too exhausted from from the the defensive from the shifts and how long they were in the D zone, and not able to make a a push once they got on the other end. It's this weekend was a good weekend for Blues mm-hmm. hockey because it showed you what Bruby said a couple of days ago when they lost that game. Like, yeah, we lost, but we we weren't that bad. We were in Colorado in uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. We it wasn't as bad as as the as the score may have seen. And you kind of look at it like, uh, maybe, maybe not. But he understood that this team was in a place to to start doing things the right way and, and in a much better way than they had in the past. The amazing thing that is unbelievable to me, that an NHL team can go 10 games and have one power play goal. And that's exactly what the Blues have done. <laughs> that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I don't know how that's possible because you literally have an advantage and you've only scored one time. So... That's something that obviously needs to be corrected, but I don't know how or when or where, you know, that gets corrected. Well, they didn't have a single power play against the Canadians, so I guess you don't have to include it in the conversation, but it's something that definitely has to be addressed here soon because that is supposed to be a huge advantage and momentum starter for your team. And special teams, obviously, is very important. The penalty kill has looked pretty good for the Blues. You just have to figure it out on the power play. And I don't know if that concludes some more mixing and matching for them moving forward. But luckily, 
we didn't have to discuss it with the Canadians because they didn't even get that chance, right. that opportunity to do so. Do you think that splitting up Robert Thomas, just to switch gears, splitting up Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo was key for what we've seen in these first two games? Because I actually really like Jordan Cairo with Braden Shen. I feel like that's a line that has worked out. I do too. And Shen is probably the conscience of the Blues on both ends of the ice. And I think he kind of drags people into the fight in terms of playing both ends of the ice. Not that Kairou hasn't, because Kairou's been really good, in, relatively speaking, uh, defensively this year. But it's it just seems like Braden Shen, with his veteran presence, causes Kairou to do more things. I think Kairou, when he's with Robert, tries to be too pretty. Mm. And mm-hmm. I don't think he need to be pretty. You need to be no. gritty. Gritty rather than oh, pretty. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, 3.7% on the power play for the Blues. Kids. Uh, that's they're, they're, terrible. They're one for 27. The second to last team, Washington, is at 9.68%. And let's just take a quick look here at uh, the team the Blues will play tomorrow, the Winnipeg Jets. Busy time for the Jets. They play on Monday Night Football tonight and then lose tomorrow. <laughs> those, are, those, are, those are different Jets. Oh, <laughs> never mind. Winnipeg is uh, 23rd in the league at 14.3%. On Why is it so bad? I don't know. Like, How is that How is that I, even possible? I can't figure it out. I don't That's know. That's amazing. Yeah. 3.7? 3. 3.7, 3. One sir. goal in 28, 27 opportunities? One for 27, yes. It's not great. No. And I don't know what you do about that moving forward. You just got to figure out something, though. They will. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk more blues hockey. Our buddy Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN, will join us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi electric elite contractor. to the Celebrity Line and our friend, the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber joins us. Kerbs, good morning. How are you doing? Randy, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. If we seem distracted, it's because one of us in the room just pulled down the blinds <laughs> for the window here in the studio. And uh, so, Oh, that's not it. Oh, that's against the rules. I think it should be. Unless, unless, unless I did it. Listen, this is a true story. And it actually, it's led to one of the, it's led to one of the greatest friendships in my life, to be honest to God. Uh, I'm in college. It's my freshman year at Miami of Ohio, and I'm in, like, I'm in, like, Calculus 2, I think it was, right? And uh, I'm bored. So I'm looking out the window for the first few weeks of this class, and I'm watching this squirrel over a few weeks build a nest. And I don't know if you know this, but, like, ADHD, dyslexia, and all that stuff is part of my issues, right? Okay, so I'm thoroughly enjoying my own mutual of Omaha wild kingdom during this class. And this girl gets up and the sun was coming in. So without asking anybody, she pulls the shade. Right? Oh, no. And I'm like, I go, Hey, what are you doing? Like not a great way to make an impression. I got to be honest with you. But I said, Hey, what are you doing? 
And she goes, well, the sun's coming down. I go, I'm watching a squirrel. <laughs> and, right? Well, she was a lot smarter than me. Eventually, we started studying math together. She helped me get good grades, and she's been one of my best friends in, in the world uh, ever since. So you never know. It, good things can come of this, but pulling a shade without permission of the group is just against the rules. <laughs> Sorry about that. Thanks. It's yeah. very bright in here now, Kurt. It is very bright in here. And dusty. And very dusty. Isn't, isn't it life more fun when the Blues win two in a row? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? It's that old uh, nuclear loose. You know, I like winning. You know, like it's better than losing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it is. And here's the thing with, with these last two games is I think over the course of this season, Randy, fans are going to have to understand the opponent more than anything. Right. Uh, the Devils and the Montreal Canadiens had good starts to the season. The young, speedy teams. Right. But they're not bigger, heavier teams to go with some of that speed. Right. They're, they're not Colorado. They're not Vegas. OK. And, and they're trying to get to the level of those two teams where the Blues are in this transition. They're going to have better matchups. So over the course of the year, even against some better teams like the ones we, we just played over the weekend, but the key is if you look at the first 10 games and really, you know, the first eight, there were offensive scoring opportunities. Shots were missing the net. They were putting it in the heart of the, uh, the chest of the goalie. You know, they weren't capitalizing on some of them. In the last two games, they capitalized on more of them. And there's, there's the difference of being able to play with a lead. But you got, you got to love this, this, this stat. It's been 10 games that the Blues have played. There has not been a lead change yet. Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. In a game. Now, the only the only caveat is that is uh, they scored first. I think it was in Dallas, right? And then the uh, uh, or and then and then and then ended up winning the shootout, right? So da- or Dallas scored first, and the Blues ended up winning the shootout. But in terms of the sixty minutes regulation and overtime, there hasn't been a lead change in any one of the games so far. Curbs, earlier we were talking about how great of a game it was for Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, but specifically for Jordan Cairo in that Canadiens game, we know that he's making a point this season to play both ends of the ice, but it really hasn't paid off that much for him on the offensive side much until this weekend. What have you seen from his progression? Well, it, and what's been said throughout that whole process is he's doing the things you need to do to be successful. Um, and when you do that, the offense will eventually come. Uh, Braden Shen, I think, fits uh, highly in that category so far this season. Uh, you can go back to prior three games before this weekend. Braden Shen may have been your best forward um, and, and and wasn't getting the point. So uh, I, I think Jordan Cairo has had a terrific start to the season. His first 10 games are good. Um, it, look, it, it's not going to surprise and It doesn't mean that this will happen this way. But if, if Robert Thomas's and Jordan Cairo's numbers are down for a little bit to begin this year, maybe even say the first half of the year, they're getting those tough matchups now. You, you, you're not getting anybody holding back because Ryan O'Reilly's out there, because Tarasenko's out there. These guys are getting the best of the best now, and that's, there's an adjustment that goes with that. Uh, I, I think Jordan Cairo has had a, a very good start to this season, and uh, and I hope it continues. There, there was a couple plays over the weekend where, where he was wheeling around with the puck, and his speed was so evident over these last two games that you're looking at it, and guys are like, this is just his third full season in the National Hockey League. Fifth season overall. But it's just the third full season where you've had a normal off season. There's no COVID. There, you know, there's, there's, it's, there's been nothing goofy about this uh, the last three years for him. And the progression, I think, is going pretty well. They have 
They, they they potentially with Jordan Cairo when his confidence grows and he continues to wheel the puck like he can, uh, they, they've got a real stud on their hands here, and uh, and I'm I'm excited to watch how the rest of the season goes with him. Curves, I was watching that Canadians game, and I thought that fourth line with Blaze, Sunquist, and Neighbors really had a lot of energy, played extremely well. Can you talk about how important it is for that fourth line uh, to play at the level that they did, especially for this team? Well, and, and the, the noticeable part, Kerry, when you see that is you will see that line sometimes play in a third-line role or you'll see that line getting 12 to 15 minutes a game. And if you look at the line of those guys and you're seeing that type of ice time, that means that there's effectiveness. That means the Blues have been able to roll four lines. And if the Blues continue to stay as disciplined as they have, Craig Maruby is able to roll four lines a lot more. Mm-hmm. Plus, you get somebody like Sunquist. uh and if it's Torpchenko sometimes on that grouping, you, you, those guys are going to get some minutes, neighbors on, on the penalty kill, you know, that are going to add to some of that ice time. But uh, they're big, they can hit, they can be physical, and that line really has one job. Get the puck in the offensive zone, throw the body around a little bit, and try to leave the next line in a good spot when they come on the ice and not chase the puck too much. And, and I thought they had a really solid two games over the weekend as well. Curbs, Jordan Bennington among starting goalies is in the top 10 in save percentage at 924. Uh, He's obviously not seeing as many high danger chances as he saw last year, but your overall impressions of the first 10 games of this Blues season for Jordan Bennington? Fantastic. Uh, He's doing exactly what the team needs him to do. Uh, You saw... You saw in the two games that got away from the Blues this year, you saw the remnants of last season where those grade-A scoring chances are there, and even then he made some of those saves. When you give Jordan Bennington a a reasonable chance, I still think he he plays like one of the top goalies in the league. And here, here, look, here's another thing. They they know what Jordan Bennington is come playoff time. He is a playoff performer. We've seen it. Uh, We saw, obviously, with the cup run. We saw it before Kadri uh, knocked him out of that playoff series in Colorado. They know what they have. It's building the season for him to get there, and this has been a terrific start. He's coming so business-like. He's relaxed. He's mentally like he's he's, he's in the best place I think maybe he's ever been, to be honest with you, when you talk with him. And uh, the the support of the defense in front of him has been good. It's been a very good 10-game start for him. Curbs, the Winnipeg Jets in town tomorrow, and hopefully the Blues will be able to get some division success going. If the playoffs started today, for as rugged as things have been, if the playoffs started today and we're only 10 games in, the Blues would be in them. And that's all you can do is keep maintain that position throughout the course of the season. Yeah, you know what? They, they didn't. They're, they're 10 games in. They're one month into the season, and they have not put themselves behind an eight ball yet. And, and that's where you want to be. When you're a team in transition like the Blues are in, uh, they feel that they can compete. And again, this goes right back to what we started with, didn't it, Randy? Like, like just know, understand the competition you're going to be playing against some nights and, and the different levels and where teams are at. They put themselves in a really good spot. Now, Winnipeg and Arizona, both these teams got the best of the St. Louis Blues already. Here's your second chance at them. Let's see if that progression continues and these games look a little different over the course of this week. Finally, uh, you, you mentioned dyslexia, and this happened to me at church. I don't know if it's ever happened to you when you sing, my dog is an awesome dog, my dog is an awesome <laughs> dog. Uh, hey, that one hasn't happened to me, but here's one that has. I was trying when I was doing a game in college to say he took 
a shot with the stick, and it came out. He took the blank with the stock. <laughs> so, no! um, it that, uh, that has that has happened. Um, so uh, you got you, you got to be a little careful there, Randy. No doubt. You gotta, you just just got to be a little careful there in church. Yes. Hey, have a, a great day, Curbs, and we'll see you at the rink later in the week. All right. Have an awesome week, you three. Thank you. Thanks, brother. That is Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we've got the fight. Do we need a fighter? Mm-hmm. We do need a fighter. Text in 314-399-9646. Yo-ho! You might be the fighter if you can just text in with your name and the word fight here to 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Chuck. Chuck, how you doing? Great, Kerry. How about yourself? Doing well. Are you ready to ready to take on Randy Carricker? I am ready to go. Happy birthday, Chuck. By the way, I appreciate. It. Thank you very much. All right, here we go. This weekend, the Chiefs became the first team to win four games in to win games in four different countries. Which AFC franchise has the most total wins outside the country in the NFL's international series? Is it the Chiefs, the Patriots, or the Jaguars? The Jaguars. Mizzou fell to 0-18 versus AP number one overall teams on Saturday, but who is the last number one in any poll that Mizzou defeated? Is it Oklahoma, Texas, or Auburn? Oklahoma. This weekend, C.D. Lamb became just the second Cowboy to ever go over 150 yards receiving in back-to-back games, which Tony Romo-era target was the first to ever do it. Is it Jason Witten, Des Bryant, or Miles Austin? Des Bryant. Over the weekend, this NHL squad became the first to allow 10 goals in back-to-back games since the 1965 Bruins. Is it the L.A. Kings, the San Jose Sharks, or the Edmonton Oilers? Kings. All right, we'll double check our score. We will bring in Randy Carricker. Check how you feel. I feel much better when I'm listening to the radio. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite the same as when you're actually uh, doing it, I I would assume. But, hey, I'm glad to be on. Well, we're glad to have you on. Randy is walking back in. He is prepared to take on you in the fight. And, Randy, say hello to Chuck. Chuck, good morning. How are you doing? Everything's terrific. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. I'm right. down here in Aspercian, Mississippi, walking, listening to you guys. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. Good. Are you from St. Louis originally? I grew up uh, in uh, South Central Illinois. All right. Perfect. Good to have you with us. Great to have you on. All right, Randy, here we go. Ready. This weekend, the Chiefs became the first team to win games in four different countries, which AFC franchise has the most total wins in the NFL's international series? Since the start, and it's an AFC team, since the start of international play, huh? Mm-hmm. 
Four wins for the Chiefs. Um, the Jaguars use London as a, and they've done that as a home game every year. And they've done it basically since the Rams were here, which is eight. So if they've played 500 there, but they've had some bad years. Um, those four by the Chiefs are pretty good. Does, I'm, I'm going to go with. I'll, I'll go with the four from Kansas City. Mizzou fell to 0 and 18 versus AP number one overall teams on Saturday. But who is the last number one in any poll that Mizzou Mizzou defeated? Last number one in any poll, I, I believe Oklahoma came in here in 2010 as the number one team in the country, and. Uh, Mizzou beat them. I'm going to go with uh, Oklahoma. I believe I was at that game in Columbia. This weekend, C.D. Lamb became just the second Cowboy to ever go for 150 yards receiving in back-to-back games. Which Tony Romo-era target was the first to ever do it? 150 in back-to-back games, huh? Mm-hmm. Tony Romo-era. Logic would dictate that it's Des Bryant. I am going to go with Des Bryant. Over the weekend, this NHL squad became the first to allow 10 goals in back-to-back games since the 1965 Bruins. Well, I know that San Jose allowed 10 in a 10-1 game. I didn't see what they did over the weekend, but I'll go with the San Jose Sharks. Because they got beat at home 10-1 to earlier in the week. We have a tie in today's fight. A little bit lower scoring today. I thought that it was an easy one, too, boys. But we'll go to the tiebreaker. Easier to look up the answers. Isn't it, though? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) When when you're making it rather than answering it. No, no, no. It's completely fair. Um, I legitimately thought I was going to get taxed. I was like, wow, that was so easy because you both got like all four right. Uh, So let's go to the tiebreaker. Tiebreaker is very simple. I'm going to read out the question. We're going to give Randy a a moment to write down his answer. Then Chuck, our challenger today, will tell us his answer audibly over the air. And then who's ever closest to the pin is going to be the winner of today's fight. We, of course, will have Randy say his answer after Chuck does. We can even hold it up to the camera. Chuck, do you understand those rules? Yes, I do. All right, Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. Do you understand the rules? I understand the rules. All right, cool. New slash old James Harden teammate Russell Westbrook holds the NBA record for triple doubles in his career with how many? New slash old James Harden teammate Russell Westbrook holds the NBA record for triple doubles with how many? Triple doubles in his career. Just a moment. Hold on, Chuck. Chuck, we're going to get that Randy right here down Um, first. Yeah, let me. We don't want him. We don't want him to, we don't want you all sharing answers here. This is not that type of party. Nope. All right, Randy, got his answer down. All right, Randy has his answer in. Chuck, what is your guess? I'm going to say 50. All right. We have a winner. Rock, if you you said I got to do some quick math, I was going to jump over this damn table. (laughs) (laughs) The amount I wanted to say. I have to do some quick math here. I'm really glad I didn't. I felt I felt that it would have been bad timing for it. And so, considering there's not a Super Bowl champion beating me to the pulp right now, I feel like I made the right call. But we have a winner in today's fight. We have a winner in the tiebreaker. Ring that bell.
The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Randy, did you going to hold up your uh, your your, oh, your yeah. pad? I, I you see. guessed an even two hundred. Chuck guessed fifty. The answer one ninety eight for Mister Russell Westbrook, who I, I, I'm honestly shocked it's that low considering he had three straight seasons where he played uh, about 150 games and he averaged a triple-double, so you think it may be a little bit higher, but nonetheless, Randy Carricker just two off with 200, so I'm sorry, Chuck. You tied him two two shots apiece, but then he beat you on the tiebreaker today. I certainly appreciate having an opportunity to Go against Randy. Thank you very much. We hope you started off your birthday in a a positive way uh, in in the fight today. Let's go through the questions and the answers. This weekend, the Chiefs came the first team to win games in four different countries. Which AFC franchise has the most total wins outside the country in the NFL's International Series? Randy, one of the countries is the United States. So the Chiefs only have three wins in international games. The Jaguars are 6-5 across 11 freaking international games. Uh, apparently the Chiefs, though, are going to make Germany a, a regular thing, is what their president said over the weekend, oh, which nice. seems like a oh. weird thing when you're not trying to <laughs> show the NFL that you have no fans. Mizzou fell to 0-18 versus AP, number one overall team on Sunday, but it was, of course, Oklahoma who came in in 2010, and they were number one in the BCS rankings when Mizzou dropped them. This weekend, CeeDee Lamb became the, just the second Cowboy ever to go for 150 receiving yards in back-to-back games. It was Miles Austin who did it with Tony Romo as his quarterback, getting 150 in back-to-back games, and over the weekend, this NHL squad became the first to allow 10 goals in back-to-back games. You heard us mention the 10 to 1 shellacking. They got beat 10 to 2 by the Penguins the very next day. Yikes. The San Jose Sharks, <laughs> the first team to allow 10 or more goals in back-to-back games since the 1965 oh. Bruins. And then, of course, our tiebreaker, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, the career NBA record holder for triple doubles with 198. Thank you again so much, Chuck, for joining us on your birthday in the fight today. Yeah, Chuck. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You too, Brooke. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. I, I, I would love to have just been sitting there as it's unraveling for the second game oh, in a row, giving yeah. up to on that bench Ooh. as a coach. For the second game, watching it unravel right in front of your eyes. When you get to seven, you got to say, okay, guys, come on. Yeah, we, did this. we did this a couple of days ago, yeah. right? Well, what are we doing here? Ten Amazing. goals? Oh, I, I'm about to clothesline somebody on that bench. What <laughs> <laughs> are you all doing? Coming up here on 101 ESPN, does a playoff sweep to your rival sour an otherwise incredible season? I don't know why we're talking about the 2015 Cardinals, but we are next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I don't look too much at my, you know, at my pathway. I don't look too much about my growth. I just, I just, I think you need to judge my growth on the growth of the team. I think that's the most important thing, how you can judge what what I've done as a coach and what my team behind me and, and supporting me has done. Um, as, as coaching staff, right, who, who you guys don't get to see and, and they don't get the credit. But, you know, those guys, uh, I'm nothing without them. So just making sure that, you know, for me, my journey is about, you know, giving a platform, providing development for players to grow, um, not just on the field, but also off the field. So, and, and I've seen leaps and bounds of growth. So, again, you know, I never get too high, never get too low. Um, I just try and stay in the moment. Um, but, yeah, listen, when it's all said and done, you know, I think in a week's time, I'll sit back and reflect and, and just think about what you asked me. It's Bradley Carnell, head coach of St. Louis City SC and... 
They had a magnificent regular season and were swept out of the playoffs by their rivals, Sporting Kansas, which wasn't fun. It's it's a bummer to have a season end the way it did. But I think if you look big picture, especially based upon expectations coming into the season, this was a fun and memorable and magical season for St. Louis City SC. And it didn't matter to me whether they got knocked out by Kansas City or somebody else. It was still a great year. It was a great year. I mean, it wasn't obviously not the end result that you wanted, but based on well, how where everyone in the league picked you to finish 13th, 14th, you finished number one in your division. The playoffs are a different animal, though, and I hope that this team gained some experience from from that experience and not performing at the level I know that they wish they would have or know that they could have and come back next year with a hunger and a, de- a desire to not only finish the regular season in the way that they did this year, but going to the playoffs, you know, with a mindset that we're going to punch and not be punched first. I think that was the main thing. They got punched in the mouth quickly in that first game versus Sporting KC and were never able to really rebound, had more fighting game too, but just un- unable to get the win and unable to finish the deal in, in, in the one, in the manner in which they know that I know that they wish they could have. And that's the feeling that you could tell at the end there when they were talking their post game is that it was a magical regular season. And that doesn't take away from this, this ending result, but it makes it sting even more, especially it feels like one of the worst feelings in sports in general is when you have just things abruptly end like, that mm-hmm. especially with everything that they have built up you have a historic season inaugural season for CDSC years in the making and for it to end this abruptly is a very painful pill to swallow but I hope that they keep that sour taste in their mouth and going into next season because you need to take that energy now you can't use the excuse of well we don't know what the playoffs are like because you mm-hmm. were able to experience it right and Matthew tactically one of the things that happened in the playoffs is that Kansas made it a point to force support, uh, St. Louis City SC to have the ball. Do they need to be more adaptable in the way they approach the game so that they that they aren't stuck with the ball all the time? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think the, the system, it's a good system to play, and it's, it's the right system to play when you're an expansion team, and it worked out for you. But the bottom line is you have to get more talent across the board. That'll help you be more clinical in the final third. Because, I mean, they looked better, and they adapted in game two. They had the possession a little bit more. They were a little bit more clinical. But I think you could see, even in the moments where they were getting the ball into the final third against Sporting Kansas City, that just the attacking you know, talent that you were seeing from Sporting wasn't coming there. You know, there was one late in the third, I remember, or late late in the second half, where they got the ball so deep, almost to the to the touchline of Kansas City's side, and the frame was only showing three Can- St. Louis players, and it was showing seven Kansas City defenders. Now, yes, they were playing more back because they they were leading at that point, but the point is, is that where's the rest of the team tracking up the field to to support the attack? That's what I think you saw lacking, and that's where getting more talent, especially at the fullback spots, will really help that overall. And what do you guys think of Nico? not being in the lineup until late yesterday. I'm fine with him being a sub. I mean, I I get because the whole process is that you're going to be bringing in some new energy. I like that, you know, the thing that we asked for, Sam and Dinner in, is that you have two strikers up top. Of course, that didn't pan out exactly how that you wanted to, but I like that you can bring Nico in to bring in some new, fresh energy, some fresh blood. And I also liked bringing in Celio Pompeo. And the energy that he brought is exactly what they needed. When CD, when you're talking about that effort in the second half, Mm -hmm. Pompeo was a big part of that. I also thought that in general when you're kind of looking at some of the other things I thought it was a great performance by Kyle Hebert and what he was able to do. Akil Watts, there's definitely some room to go there and I was a little surprised by Blum and the fact that he was caught flat-footed in the footed in that first goal, but 
it's all a learning experience. And it just kind of seems that in sports in general, but especially with soccer and you could even say baseball, as we saw with the Diamondbacks, you just have to be hot towards the end there. And it felt like they tailed off towards the end, especially in June. You could start to see them tail off energy-wise a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. And, and, and you know, they, they kind of hit a resurgent point, and then they died off at the end of the season. And I think um, it's, you know, I think we saw it with, with City, too. It's just your players have to have to step up and, and make plays in the playoffs. I, again, I, I when I, I threw out a tweet yesterday, I was thinking about the Cardinals last uh, yes. exit when I saw, said it. And I'm like, I'm like your, your best offensive players disappear, and your specialists fall apart. Klaus and Adenarin were not able to make an impact in that game, and Leuven was terrible in set pieces. You know, he was. He, they eventually moved Vasilev into the corner kick spots from one of the sides because Leuven at one point took out yeah. a divot that they were joking about. You know, being worse than a, the golfers' divot. Yeah. So he, Leuven, thought, he thought they were saying Leuven. Uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it's exactly the same thing. Your top offense falls apart, and your specialists fail to do what they did the entire season leading up to there. If you don't get your big name players playing well in the playoffs, you're rarely going to win. You so, be careful. Because you're saying players need to play in the playoffs, and we know. I know it's become kind oh, of like oh, thing oh, the show managers and coaches around here, mm-hmm. Randy. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> There's things to criticize the manager for, and I think you. I think if you watch game one and then you watch game two, you can chalk it up to that Bradley Carnell made some changes, and they were effective. You can look at the game from the first half to the second half, and you can look at the, the change to Pompeu, and you can say that was an effective change, and I think he brought it up as well. You look at the development and growth. Yeah, let's let's play let's let's criticize Akil Watts for having a, a bad game. At the beginning of the season he was a defensive midfielder and then he played right back for half the season. That's that's impressive. Right back not where? something <laughs> right right back. You <laughs> <laughs> were so quick on that one, that was good. Um and, and he played it well for a huge chunk of the season. That's not nothing. That's coaching, that's development, that's what you want to see. And coming up next on 101 ESPN, we've got our rush hour reset. We've got Monday night football. It's gonna be a thriller tonight. <laughs> Uh, you've got the uh, the Jets and the Chargers. But then you've got the Jets and the Blues tomorrow, so it gets a little bit better. We're going to talk about it here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. We have Monday Night Football here on 101 ESPN this evening. The New York football Jets can move within a half game of first in the AFC East if they can beat the Chargers. They lost Aaron Rodgers on, what, the fifth play of the season. And they have a chance, if they win tonight, to be within a half game of the division lead. I'll tell you what, if you're looking for midseason coach of the year, Robert Sala has to be right there, doesn't he? He definitely is. I think D'Amico Ryans is there. Um, to lose your quarterback... The first drive of a of a season that you spent so much of the off season, you know, putting so much into the expectation of how well Aaron Rodgers would be for this for this team to lose him that early definitely definitely puts a a, a sour taste in your mouth if you're the New York Jets and that fan base. But he's performing; he's doing a great job of holding them together, keeping them together despite um, that injury. For when Rodgers comes back in December. No, no. <laughs> that soon. I, I, listen, I I love it. I think it's wonderful that he can take dropbacks and throw a football. Try that with a 300, 300 pound person trying to trying to hit you in the face. It's a little different, and so it looks wonderful. You can't put him out there with an inability to protect himself. You know, he he can get down if if need be, but you know who the hell wants to do that? 
He's going to he's going to be he's going to be in trouble. Now, it looks great. It, everything looks great. Oh, he's dropping back. He's got a special shoe on. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> special Try shoe. Try <laughs> it when there are grown adult men running at you full speed and let's see if you have the uh the ability to do all of yeah, those. Yeah, just things. let Zach Wilson take the hits. You, you mean cuz you're going to get hit. Yeah. You're you going to get hit. Yep. So the New York Jets in action tonight. The Winnipeg Jets here in St. Louis tomorrow. Blues have won two in a row. And Captain Braden Shen not only scored his first goal, but watched his team get what hopefully is a, a little bit of traction here. Does he feel it? It's it's early. You know, it's two games. We're not going to say where, where, where we need to be right now. But like I said, from where we were after the Colorado game or games previous before that to, to where we are now, um, you know, I think guys are, are buying into to playing hard hockey. And if you look around the league, the teams that, you know, want easy nights and rush chances and stuff like that usually don't win a whole lot of hockey games. So, uh, you know, our D zone's been good. Guys are playing hard defensively and obviously the O zone. Um, you know, like I said, it's just it's just a commitment to, to get to the net, scoring greasy goals, ugly goals, and when you do stuff like that, um, other things open up for you, and, and guys get rewarded to the tune of ten goals in two games, and getting a, little, a, a few greasy goals. We talked about that last week, right? Why not just set up shop in front of the opposing team's net and get some greasy goals? You you also have a chance to be right there for the rebound. Get some greasy goals, and for them to be able to do that, thank you, and also. Just some good forecheck. Taking the shot instead of the extra pass. Doing all those things, fantastic. I think that splitting up Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, and when we were talking about it before, I was wondering, because I'm sure that you pictured when you're signing both of them that they would be on the same line. Does that essentially Mm -hmm. matter in the long run? No, because you're going to move things around. But I really like Jordan Cairo with Braden Shin. I think that those two, you saw early on in the season, Braden Shin kind of making sure that Jordan Cairo would stay in line with that little scuffle that they had during practice. And I think that Braden Shin showcases, as a captain, he doesn't do things to bully you. It's to bring the best out of you. And with Jordan Cairo buying in on that, then you see it pay off on the offensive side for him. The, the best captains, the best teammates are the ones that hold you accountable, that, only, that not only do their job at a high level, but have the expectation of you doing your job at a high level because we are all in this together. And I really can't ask you to do something that I am unwilling to do if I'm a leader of a team. So, you know, he's, he's showing it. He's going out every single day doing his best job. And I think the guys are, are starting to rally around that, that identity. I think that's part of it as well. They needed to find an identity. They, they need to find an identity. Yes. Who are they going to be? Are they defensively? We know you're going to give up a lot of shots. But how are you going to be as a team collectively? What is your identity? And getting in front of the goal, getting those greasy goals, as, as he said, you know, making it tough on opposing goalies and opposing defenses, I think that, that helps you win more games, and it showed over the weekend. College football, Mizzou falls to number 16 in the AP poll, number 15 in the coaches poll, and Mizzou will take on 14th-ranked Tennessee on Saturday at Faroe Field, another CBS 230 game for Ooh. Mizzou 7-2 and and Tennessee 7-2. and Now here's, here's, here's where the, the, the wheels cannot fall off mm-hmm. if you are Mizzou. You go to Georgia. You play a hell of a game. You come up short. You have a chance to actually win that game. You cannot show up on Saturday versus Tennessee and have a lackluster of performance. You cannot show up and be lethargic and not be, you know, competitive in that game because you, you everything is still in front of you. You still have a chance to be in a New Year's Six bowl game. They have to show up. And as I said before, Illinois was in the same exact position last year. For as much as people talk bad about Illinois, we were 7-1. and one. Lost to Michigan State. They were 7-1. and one. Lost to Georgia. It, it, and it unraveled for us. 
Missouri has a chance to make sure that it does not unravel. Tennessee is not going to be an easy game for no. them. They're so tough. They're good. They're, it's going to be a tough game, so you have to take care of your business if you're Missouri and still hold on to that rope. Don't give in. Don't give up. No, I agree. You can't let that happen against Tennessee. I was impressed because I think it, for a game for Mizzou, I know that they have played well against Georgia in recent years. But when you're trying to make sure the conversation is, well, does this team really deserve to be ranked right now? To me, they show that they do deserve to be ranked. And it's not about coming away with a moral victory. But the fact that they were able to go toe to toe with Georgia and it comes down to the fourth quarter says a lot. I would have never dreamed that USC at this point in the season would be out of the top 25. They've allowed more than 40 points on numerous occasions this year. And yesterday they fired their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. That's Gary Pinkle's son-in-law, by the way. And he's been with Lincoln Riley, both at Oklahoma and at, uh, at USC. USC has surrendered 101 total points in the last two games. They're ranked 87th in the country defensively. And so they have fired their defensive he had coordinator. No, he had no choice. And, and it's giving up that many points. You, you score 42 points on offense, you're supposed to win the game. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you gave up 52 on the opposite end. That, that, he, that, he had no choice. And that's a, I'm sure that was a tough conversation from Lincoln Riley to a guy that he's been with for all of these years, as you said, at Oklahoma, brought him with him to USC. But if you can't stop people, and if you expect your offense to put up 45 points a game, and you're, only gonna, you're not going to keep your job. And so they had to go in a different direction. USC obviously out of the the playoff contention, out of the playoff talks. And I will say that there was some video of Caleb Williams crying on the sideline and there were people that were bothered by it. That man has done everything he can do for that for for that team. You know, won the Heisman last year. I'm sure had the idea that they were going to be in a national championship conversation this year mm-hmm. and he understood that that loss really kicked them out of that conversation. I had no problem with how he responded because that's a guy that cares about winning and they didn't win. And to me, it wasn't because of him. Well, one, you fire defensive coordinator because of what happened. I mean, you put up 40, what? Yeah, 42 points. Is that what it was? Yeah, he lost 52-42. Yeah, 52-42. And he had a great game, completed 27 of 35 of his passes for 312 yards, three touchdowns, did no interceptions there. One fumble, though. But... I thought that was really interesting to see all the people on social media, even former players, well-known players, coming after Caleb Williams. It was like that they were waiting for some moment to kind of rub it in his face that, no, you shouldn't get all these things that you've been wanting and talking about. Yeah, I mean, you know, people are always going to uh, pick it. I mean, he, he's a guy that has done the painting of his nails and done all of the. He, he's a guy that talks. And so whenever you're a guy that talks, then that when you fail— it. People are like, yes, I knew it. I knew you weren't as good as you thought you were. I'm glad you didn't have the, you're not having the success that you think you should have. It's just one of the things that people do, and social media allows for people to do that. You know, they, they, they have to yeah. find something better to do with themselves. And finally, a couple of notes from yesterday in the NFL. Daniel Jones, Giants quarterback, they fear has a torn ACL, probably <laughs> does. And bad news for Kyler's film room, Dallas Goddard, the Eagles tight end, has a broken arm. <laughs> That's broken big forearm. NFL news. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you are the the New York Giants and you spent this money on on Daniel Jones and you were unsure if to spend that money on him to begin with, well, you know now it was probably not a great idea. Mm-hmm. He's going to be out for the year. He's going to miss a, a portion of next year if the ACL is indeed torn, which they fear it is. That has to be a really, really it has to weigh on you as the as the front office of the New mm-hmm. York Giants to make that decision and it not pan out. 
the way that you thought it would or, or that it should. Does it weigh on you or does that seat get a little hotter? Well, I think Brian Dayball is fine. I think he's okay. I mean, he was a coach of the year last year, but I, it hasn't looked good. And he's been extremely frustrated. And I, I, I guess I wonder, with you paying Daniel Jones what you paid him, are you trying to draft a quarterback early in the first round of next year's draft? Do you say, you know what, we made a mistake. He, not only did we pay him this money and we don't think he should have gotten it, now he's injured and he's not going to play we probably need to lose some more games and and hopefully be a higher uh, get a higher draft pick going into next year. So what you need to do is just get a former Illini quarterback, Tommy DeVito. ILL. <laughs> Good luck, I brother. Woof. It ain't been. Oh man, I kind of feel bad for the guy. Yeah, he's in a bad situation. He's in a bad situation. He was supposed to be a practice squad quarterback essentially the entire year. Yeah, you are you are a a rookie undrafted quarterback thrusted into a starting position. He's got, I think, like 15 yards passing this season. Yeah, mm. it's not. It's not been great for old uh, Tommy DeVito. Just, no. uh, and he's getting picked apart by everyone. He's in a in a city where obviously everyone's watching, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's getting he's getting picked apart by. Uh, yeah, he had 175 yards last game, but the first game he had like 14, I think. And finally, Major League Baseball did a wonderful thing to try to get word out there about their. Uh, their product on a Sunday night of NFL action, they decided to reveal their Gold Glove winners. That was so random. It's so weird. Yeah. Why? I don't know. But the Cardinals, for the first time since two th- first time since 2017, don't have a Gold Glove winner. Uh, they've had them in 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. They didn't have Gold Glovers Glove winners in 17 or 16. But then you go 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9. Uh, eight, and then they didn't have any in 2007 either. So uh, the Cardinals ordinarily do have gold glove winners. This, I hope, is an anomaly that the Cardinals didn't get one this year. I really hope so. Please don't tell me that that's not going to be, because that would be very devastating. Well, they need to be better defensively. And the Major League Baseball general manager meetings start tomorrow in Scottsdale, so my guess is that the Cardinals are not going to tell their fans anything about their season during this week either. Press conference. We've been, I mean, it's the end of the World Series. World Series has been over for a few days now. Yeah, We were were told at the end of the season, we'll wait to the end of the World Series. Now we're we're here. And And now you've got to wait after the GM meetings. When the hell is this, going, this press conference going to take I place? I don't think that they really want to communicate with their fans Why? at this point because they lost 90 games. Well, here's the question. Here's, <laughs> the, here's, you here, here's, here's, here's the, the thing. are you hiding? Huh? Yeah. I, I, Come out. Maybe they're embarrassed. I don't know. Or maybe they want to wait until they do something that has the perception of improving things. But at the end of the day, this is a franchise where for the first time since 1916, a manager came back after a 90-loss season. Hadn't happened very often. But in the other 90-loss seasons that the Cardinals have had, uh, they haven't brought back the same group. Now, what they can say now, and they should, is, well, uh, Torrey Lavallo lost 110 games a couple of years ago, and he was in the World Series. That's got to be their play. I've, I just gave you your roadmap. You can have I, a press conference talk to your fans. I, listen, my roadmap is, should, your roadmap should be your own. Because the expectation to lose 100 games and then be in the World Series, I I tell you all this all the time, (laughs) there are exceptions to the rules. The Phillies were the exception last year when they fired their manager halfway through and made it to the World Series. There are exceptions to every rule. If you go about your business and say, oh, well, we did it in 2019, well, look at the Blues, look at what they... That's the exception. 
that generally doesn't happen when coach. Do you think the damn Las Vegas Raiders are going to win the Super Bowl? They fired their coach. Hell no. No. Because the rule is you fire your coach halfway through the season, your team is terrible, and it ain't going to change. So that there, those situations are the exceptions. The Cardinals need to sit down, figure out, and I'm sure they have, but they, they need to figure out what their offseason plan is, which pitchers they are going to try to get in free agency, and actually go and get those guys or make a, a valiant effort to make sure it happens. If that doesn't happen, you need to find somebody via trade, and you have to get it done because if you go into the next season with the same starting rotation or you bring up some of these younger guys that were in the minors that didn't get a chance to play last year, this team and these fans are going to lose it. 2013, John Mozeliak traded David Freeze to the Angels at the general manager's meetings in November. 2014, he traded to Shelby Miller uh, and got back Jason Hayward at the general manager's meetings uh, in November. So uh, they're not immune to doing things at this time of year. Hopefully they'll. that's why they haven't done anything because they've got – They've got irons in the fire, as you, it were. Yeah, you just need to hold a press conference that says, you know what, nobody wants to hear the goal this year. We're going to win 54% of the time. You just need to do that, right? No. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. You do that. Oh, or, that was that was Jerry Poto. Or what you could do is just say, our goal is to be the National League playoff team with the fewest victories. Uh, <laughs> because that gets us to the World Series. No. Recent no, no, history no, no. Does, no, 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 no. would dictate that, that no, that's no, the case. That's the exception, again. Three Probably. in a row. Uh, three years in exception. The Cardinals have done it a couple times. Last two times the Cardinals went to the World Series. How many times has it happened in in baseball history? It's been like 100 years of baseball. Since the expanded playoffs, probably, what, six or seven out of 20? No, I I wouldn't trust it. (laughs) <laughs> Coming up That's on 101 ESPN, <laughs> is Eli Drinkwitz building a program, or does he just have a team this year? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. They play about 28, 30 guys on defense. Pump fake, Cook, end zone, caught! Touchdown, Luther Burton the third. And Missouri strikes back. Trader. Trader. Trader is in. Touchdown, Missouri. 12 yards. And the Tigers answer back in motion. Cook rolls right. Oh, he threw it away and it's picked off. It's that Stackhouse to the 20. Stackhouse down to the 5. Georgia. If people don't think our group's a bunch of fighters who are going to fight you tooth and nail for every inch, I mean, uh, we ain't got to prove it to you all anyway. We came here to win, not to keep it close, not to try to get it in the fourth quarter and see what could happen. We tried to win. We played to win and, and came up short. And, you know, don't regret the way any of the game played out. Don't regret... Um, the quarterback's decision. I mean, I don't regret him being our quarterback. I don't regret any of that stuff. We, we came here and played to win and didn't quite get it done. I'm not deterred from what we're trying to accomplish this year. That is Mizzou head coach Eli Drinkwitz, whose teams in his previous three years have gone 5-5, five and 6-7, five, 6-7. Six and, seven, six and seven. And Eli has made it a point to say, hey, I'm the, only the second coach who has gone to a bowl at Mizzou in each of his first three seasons. And people say, well, big deal. Going to a bowl isn't a big deal now. Well, now his team is 7-2 and two as they get ready to take on Tennessee. And what he has to do that people like Larry Smith weren't able to do or Alan Afrio weren't able to do is sustain success. 
they can still have a really, really, really good season. They they could be on the cusp of a New Year's Year's Day Bowl. I know Jerry Palm, as of last week, had Mizzou playing in the Music City Bowl, which would be really cool. But what you have to do is if you have that nine-win season, ten-win season, you have to be able to sustain it. And historically, Mizzou hasn't, except for Gary Pinkle, they haven't been able to sustain success. And I'm wondering if this is just a team for Eli Drinkwitz. Like, he'll lose Cody Schrader after this season. He's going to lose a couple of key defenders. Or is he building a program? And is, is he going to have people in place, whether through recruiting or the transfer portal, to replace those that are, that are departing? I think he's building something right now. With Brady Cook and Luther Burton returning, I assume, next season, knock on wood that nothing happens. I know the transfer portal can get crazy, but you're assuming that Brady Cook and Luther Burton are going to be back next season. And their connection is something that is just continuing to grow and flourish. So I think that that is a huge upside. Now, as I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Mizzou and their defense, I think specifically their corners were fantastic this past weekend. They're going to have some guys that maybe you will look at that will be playing on Sunday. So you might learn or have some turnover in that regard when it comes to Mizzou's defense. But at the same time, the way that Baker has really been able to navigate a lot of things through Mizzou's defense, even losing players like a Nick Moulton that we've seen in recent years, different things like that, I think that that says a lot about Mizzou and their resilience and what they're building. And bringing in Kirby Moore, I thought, was a great decision by Eli Drinkwitz to help him with that. He even mentioned during an interview recently that bringing in kind of this new guy, this new guy in Kirby Moore, has really opened up things offensively, and you're seeing that this season. I think that has played in their success. So if you're talking about worrying about players entering the transfer portal, they've shown a lot of exciting things this season where I think you're building enough of a nucleus where they can build off of this. And I don't see that the Brady Cook and Luther Burton would be leaving. One of the – I mean, I do agree that he is building a program. I think they are – they are st- they have turned things around from where they what they've had the last few years. This is an important season to to finish this season strong. And like I said, not let the wheels fall off because you lost to Georgia. You got Tennessee, then you have Florida, then you have Arkansas. All winnable games, but also all losable games because those are maybe not Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas played Alabama pretty tough. Now they're not really good, but when that's your rival, it's always going to be well, generally should be a tough game. Um, but you have to make sure that the wheels don't fall off. And right now. They're in a perfect position to end up with nine, ten wins on the season, going to a bowl game, and having a a really successful season. And you build on that. You build on that, as you said, via transfer portal, via via um, um, you know signing guys, recruiting the right guys out of high school, and make sure you get the right people that you want to build with. But that comes with also being the type of person that people want to play for. So you know, if you're a a, a college coach. If things don't go your way in the recruiting and you don't get a guy, you have to still take the high road because that kid could come back to you later on. That kid could decide that, oh, I wanted to go to Georgia, but you know what, Georgia isn't what I thought it would be. I want to come back home to Missouri or I want to come to Mizzou now because I've seen what they've done and how well they play. So taking care of yourself and your business in the transfer portal while you're high school recruiting, all of those things are important in 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 regards to building an or a um a, a program, and here's going to be the key. They've got they they brought back 
one of the most experienced defenses in all of college football this year. They have eight listed seniors on defense. Now, some of those guys will come back because you still have the COVID year that players are given. And you have three listed seniors on your offensive line. So this is where you find out whether you have a program. Is As you head into 2024, are you developing players that are prepared to replace those that are departing? And that's, especially at the quarterback position, that's something that has hurt Mizzou over the years. By the way, Brady Cook also listed as a senior, and we know he's coming back next year. Yeah, I mean, they got they got guys that are in place for the next few years, which you you have your quarterback coming back. That is a, a, a great sign because the guy has had success this year, and, and you want that guy to continue to grow in your program and in your in your organization to make sure he's doing all of the things that, that you need him to do. Um, but again, it's about recruiting and evaluating talent and then developing that talent when they get on your roster, get on your team, get in Columbia. Those are the things that allow your program to continue to grow. Right now, it's a great season. Now, finish this season off right. You can't go and have a 6-5 and five season next year or a 5-6 and six season next year. you got to win eight to nine games next year as well. That's when you're starting to build that program up. That's what Gary Pinkle did. He mm-hmm. was able to have sustained success year after year where teams and, and players around the city and around the country are like, yeah, I want to go play in Missouri because they are building something there. And that's what – that's what building a program is. That's what it consists of. And also getting fans in. I know that that might sound a little bit silly, but this will be, again, they announced against Tennessee it will be their fourth sellout this season, right. I Every believe. Every game now is sold out the rest of the season. And that also attracts players, especially when you're talking about young players or guys that you're recruiting and bringing in. That really is something that draws people. And if you're looking at the Music City Bowl, that's something that they look at, too, is are these fans going to be able to travel well and come up and show support? And I think the Music City Bowl would be perfect. Maybe I'm being a little biased because then that's like an easy drive for me. (laughs) If you're in the Music City Bowl and you get to draft, if you have the choice between Tennessee and Mizzou, you're taking Tennessee. With all due respect to the Music City Bowl. If I'm Missouri and we're playing in the Music City Bowl, that is a not that is not a in it finish to the season that I wanted. That's just me personally because of where you are right now. You went and played the number one team, number two team in the country, to the to the limit. You gave them everything you had. The only other team you've lost to is LSU, who is a really good team as well. If I'm playing in the Music City Bowl at the end of this year, I'm probably a little bit frustrated. I should be playing if I win out. Should be playing on New Year's Day. So That's what I think Missouri I like should be that. shooting for. In Tampa. And, and they Ooh, should be playing one of those games. I don't care about how people get there or if they're willing to go. It's about the it, – no offense to the fans, but this program, if they want to be a program that is sustainable – Playing in the Music City Bowl is not something that a high school kid is going to say, yeah, I, I would love to play there. No, hell no. You want to play in the games that everybody is watching on New Year's Day. So that should be what they're shooting for. And right now, okay, so you have Tennessee, Florida, and then Arkansas. I mean, I feel like these are three games that they can win, obviously. I do too, yeah. Right, by the way, Jerry Palm right now has North Carolina against Mizzou in the Gator Bowl on uh, December 29th. Is that sufficient? The- no. Okay. I mean, it's okay, it's okay, but no, I don't. I don't think that that's. I don't. I don't, I don't think that that's good enough. If I'm Missouri, the real what's the ReliQuest Bowl? Wherever Tampa. Oh yeah, the ReliQuest Bowl in Tampa. Is I'm that good. the old <laughs> Outback Bowl? Everest. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I, go. I could. We're good. The Outback Bowl is good. I could do that. All right. Coming up on 101 ESPN. What's it going to take for the Ravens to be considered the best team in the AFC? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. Your 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. As Mitchell gets the toss, he's going to get a 100-yard game on this run. Oh, my goodness, he breaks it again. Comes back. <laughs> Thrown down at the 18-yard line. Going to be a fantasy waiver wire sensation this week. Jim Nance on CBS. The Baltimore Ravens have scored the fourth most points in the NFL with 239. They have allowed the fewest at 124. And the point differential for the Ravens, largest in the league. They're plus 115 points. The number two team in the league, the Buffalo Bills, are plus 80. So the Ravens are 35 points ahead of the second place team in terms of point differential in the league. Yet, when we talk about the standings and the best teams in the league. Some seems like Kansas City always gets brought up. It seems like Jacksonville hot gets brought up. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles get brought up because they're eight and one. But seems to me that right now the best team in the league is the Baltimore Ravens. Are they not getting as much respect as they should get? I think they aren't, um, and I'm not sure why. I think you know. I think the expectation of what they were going to do offensively when they changed offensive coordinators. They started the season off a little bit slow. Uh, and the two losses that they do have, one to Indianapolis, which was a I, – I, I still don't know how they lost that game. And then the last second loss, uh, last fourth quarter loss to the Steelers where Kenny Pickett threw the touchdown to George Pickens. Those are their only two losses on the season. They really could be undefeated this year because they have played – really well for, you know, three quarters of each of those games in the fourth quarter they just they weren't able to finish it. Um I don't know why they don't get talked about in the manner in which other teams do. And I guess because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, they were in the Super Bowl, they won last year. The Eagles were also in the Super Bowl last year. I think coming into the season everyone expected Josh Allen and the Bills to be the team. They are not. And then Joe Burrow started off the season extremely slow. Now he's starting to warm up. But uh, the the team that has been consistent throughout has been the Ravens, especially on the AFC side. So I wouldn't. They were my pick to make it to the Super Bowl alongside of the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I, I'm still going to hold on to that them coming out of the AFC. Does it just circle back to it being such a competitive? I mean, the AFC North, as we discussed earlier. It's just such a competitive group of teams there. And it feels like every single one of them are building momentum in different ways. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Bengals in there. And it feels like all the attention always goes back to the Bengals Mm -hmm. because of Joe Burrow and what he's able to do. Early on the season, battling a calf injury, we know that that hampered him a bit. But he looks like he's completely fine now. So is that the big reason why? Is because people just think that the cream will rise to the top and that being the Bengals? And I think star power plays a big role here, Brooke. And you you just brought up names from the Bengals. Back in the day, it was... Ray Lewis, and it was Ed Reed, and it was Terrell Suggs. You look at the great Ravens defense right now, and they are great, but the the biggest star is Roquan Smith. They don't really have a star-laden or name-laden group, and I think that's part of it is if people don't know the players, they don't respect them as much, but they will. Once this team plays a playoff game, they'll know uh, these guys. Matt Abuike is a a really good player. Uh, Their defensive backfield, Kyle Hamilton, is terrific uh, in the defensive backfield, Uh, and they don't don't even have their a whole team yet because uh, they don't have Marlon Humphrey on a regular basis. He's terrific. But I think once we see more of them, I think we'll like them more. Yeah, I think, you know, looking at this AFC side, the the Baltimore Ravens and the Bengals, 
I'm sure will eventually have their record match what I what I think they are, and they will be two playoff teams. I think the Steelers may be able to sneak in there, but when you're looking at everyone else outside. I don't really. I still don't trust the Jacksonville Jaguars. They aren't a team that I look at and say, "Oh yeah, they can make a push or a run in the playoffs." I just look at them as they're in a division. They should win that division, but I don't expect much from them. But for whatever reason, like John Harbaugh, and we'll get to Harbaugh in a second. Doug Peterson seems to find a way with his staff. Last year in the playoffs against the Chargers, right? They they yeah. fall way behind and they come back and win the game. They have and more the Chargers than the dang no, but Jags. if you have number sixteen. You have a chance. I, I do. I I just don't. For me, I still think the Jaguars are a year or two. They away. are dominant by any yeah, stretch. They, they no, don't. They don't they have strike me as a dominant team. The Miami Dolphins, another team that is zero three versus teams with a, a a winning record above five hundred. They aren't performing well against the really good teams. And then you look at um the Kansas City Chiefs are the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what they're going to be and what they're going to do. But that you other it's going to be for me. The Kansas City Chiefs and one of these AFC North teams, because I don't really trust the Dolphins, I don't really trust the Jaguars, and there's nobody in those other, uh, no other teams in those divisions that I, I would trust to think that they're going to do something come playoff time. Now, I talk about Belichick being overrated because he only won with one quarterback. Number one, John Harbaugh won a Super Bowl with, with Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm as his quarterback. And now he adapted his offense, and one of the best quarterbacks in the league is playing a completely different system than the the system that uh, he that uh, Joe Flacco played. The defense has turned over completely. Those Hall of Famers are gone, mm-hmm. and yet they're still playing great defense. Now, it's not all, all Harbaugh, but he clearly knows how to pick out a staff, too. I think John Harbaugh, if Belichick is the most overrated coach in the league, I think Harbaugh might be the most underrated. If you're looking at most complete teams in the NFL, it would have to be – I mean, I still think the 49ers are there, but they they would probably be the third. I think the Eagles would be the second. I think mm-hmm. Baltimore would be the first in terms of most complete teams in the NFL right now. Kansas City still hasn't – I don't know. I don't trust their offense. No. They, they are – they scored 21, and one of them came from a – it- Recovery. And in the opener, Baltimore lost their version of McCaffrey and J.K. Dobbins when he went down. So they're doing it with backup running mm-hmm. backs, too. A running team. Yeah, and maybe it is just that you don't have as big of the names. But I still think Lamar Jackson is a pretty big name. And then you have Odell Beckham, which I know was a big name and has dropped off in recent years. Touchdown but he was yesterday. he got his first touchdown. Did you? It was like forever ago that he got his last yeah. touchdown in the NFL. Uh, was it in the Super Bowl? Did he score one so. in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. And Tyler Huntley threw the touchdown pass to him yesterday in garbage time. Yes. But good for him. Yes, good. He leaves leaves Kyler's film room and gets a touchdown finally. (laughs) (laughs) How painful was that? It it hurt. Uh, And Matthews, uh, what's your team called? Matthews Excellent Team or something? Yeah, I know. I I have no... Didn't he auto-draft? Matthew, didn't you auto-draft? Or am I just imagining um, that? Basically. Two of my first four (laughs) picks got auto-drafted because my... my app thing kept signing me in and out during the draft because my uh, internet's not doing that great. And that's the team. You got that a beat, chance, Randy? That's the team that beat me yesterday. Yeah, Justin Herbert needs to score about fifty tonight. Yeah, against the Jets defense. And none Good of, luck. and he can't throw any of those passes to Austin Eckler. That's true. Mm. <laughs> uh, coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with rock and roll, or rock or roll, here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. A couple of things going on here in the studio. Number one, the sun shines right in Matthew Rocchio's eyes when it comes up in the morning. 
and we have these blinds. Well, the blinds wouldn't close all the way, so I was trying to close the blinds. You're a great guy. And I've been lifting. <laughs> oh. oh, is that what happened, Randy? You Just too it. strong. Oh, well, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I pulled the blinds down, so now the, the sun is in everybody's <laughs> eyes. Bad and, day in uh, here. So we, we were having a little debate uh, during the break about uh, who is going to moan and complain the most about not having the blinds. Uh, of all the shows and all the people in all the shows, who's going to whine the most? Randy, why don't you answer first? <laughs> I, I think where I'm sitting right now, where, when the sun gets to about one o'clock, I think it's going to be right in BK's eyes, and I, I feel for the guy. The sun's going to be right in his eyes, and he's not going to be able to see his computer. Uh, it's going to be BK. I feel bad for him. I, I, I'm sorry already, BK. I think it's going to be Jackson because he'll be up here in about ten, fifteen minutes, and mm-hmm. it's going to be. I mean, we're looking at Rock on the screen right now. He's trying to stay in the shadows, but it's not really working out well for him. So. I think he's going to be right in Jackson's face here in about 15 to 20 minutes. He'll be glowing. The sun goes down at like 4.30 now, so the fast lane is not going to be overly They will be impacted just a, just a tad, though, because they don't have any lights on. They usually have the lights flowing, the strobe right. lights yeah, going. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, we, if, they don't, if they're unable to get these, cl- these uh, blinds fixed, it's going to be a rough show for them for the first hour and a half as well. Yeah. So the other thing that happened when the blinds fell is that we had a major dust storm yeah, in yeah, our studio. Yeah. When was and the last time this place was clean? <laughs> it's, it's been a while. Brooke's been coughing and I, I've been... <laughs> So you've been coughing for a couple of weeks. No, it's not. Okay, well, today's yeah, the first day that I yes. haven't. Right. I was trying to keep it a secret, guys. Nobody knew. Well, all right. Every time you cough, we said, bless you. So no one, no one did um, know. But yes, to the, this weekend, I finally got over my cough. Good. So that is fantastic. And then fantastic. I restored it with the dust. And I really did. But then everybody started sneezing in here, too. Did you notice mm, yeah, that? Yeah. Because it was just like a lot of so dust. Maybe I did everybody a favor. Okay. Maybe. Right. Now there has to be some, some dusting going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, I think Maybe. you got to get rid of it. Yep. All right, uh, Matthew, what do you got now that everybody knows our, our business in here? Well, I, I something we didn't get to in that in that Missouri Georgia game, and I'm I'm not trying to 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 focus too much on some some questionable calls, but there was just one one answer for me. Like Drinkwitz in the presser, if you guys remember, there was a, a late offensive pass interference call that was a little odd, mainly because it came right after an extremely odd defensive pass interference call that I have no idea what was going on in the first place. But then there was an OPI call, and then the referees got together and they decided there wasn't. And they can review it? An OPI call and you can review it? Well, here was Eli Drinkwitz when asked about what he was told about that play. You know, the thing about our league is that uh, there's not really any explanations and then there's no explanations to y'all from them. So, I mean, you can ask me all you want. I can't really say anything, but better question is to ask them because I thought it's, you know, whether or not it's conclusive evidence, I... I can't see any conclusive evidence where the ball is, um, but apparently uh, in Birmingham they found conclusive evidence. So I, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess you'll have to write a letter to somebody there and see if they'll answer it. Not great by the SEC. Who's going to write a letter? <laughs> you write a, hey, Randy, you got to write a letter. You got to send the facts. Yeah. Songs older than I am. Yeah. I, listen, plays happen. Referees make mistakes. The, the mistakes that I can accept are the ones, you know, I had a referee tell me on, on Friday night, hey, I, I missed that one. Mm-hmm. I, my bad. I apologize. Cool. I can accept it. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a terrible miss, but at least you acknowledged it and, and can go on. And that's not the reason we lost on Friday night. 
nor is that reason for Missouri. I mean, you there are a lot of plays in a game yep. that take place. Again, Mizzou had the ball down six with an opportunity to drive it the length of the field and score a touchdown with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they turned the ball over. I think that matters more than any call that was or was not made by a referee in the game. When Vermeil took over the Rams in 97, the league hated the Rams because they moved here and had to file a suit to move here. And Vermeil told the players after, because people told him, hey, we aren't getting any calls. And he told the players, look, you just don't have margin for error. You need to play above the officials. Just go into every game as if you're playing two other teams, the other team and the officials. And that's what you have to do. And, And Georgia has earned that benefit. They're the two-time defending champions. Not that they should... Uh, is the rule in college that you can review pass interference? Because ultimately, that's what it came down to. I don't know mm-hmm. if the rule exists or not. Clearly, it's okay because they did. But you have you have to be able to overcome the other team's reputation along with the other team. I guess it was because they were reviewing... Because... Uh, on the, when he explained the call, he said that the ball reached the, the ball did reach the line of scrimmage, and so therefore, or didn't reach the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and so therefore, it can't be OPI because I guess the the line of, the thought is it was thrown behind the it's line thrown of behind the line of scrimmage. Therefore, he can be blocking. Yes. but at the same time, they also had like five linemen like eight yards down. But the if field. they but the ball it. is thrown, if the ball is thrown behind the line of scrimmage, is essentially a screen. Exactly. So you can, so be, you can be out there blocking, blocking and so it can, can't be if, OPI. Now, if you're past the, the line of scrimmage yes. when you catch the ball, then it is offensive pass but interference. If, but if they decided that it was caught behind. There's then, a legal man downfield then. Not you if can't it's call behind, it though. Not if it's behind the line of scrimmage. He can be downfield. It is It is a oh, screen. Okay. It's the same thing. So, uh, what I thought was they called offensive pass interference and then they reviewed it. I, I don't, well, I they didn't reviewed, see that part. He, he, I, he, I, he, I don't he, know if they came together as a group collectively and said, no, that ball was caught behind uh, Kirby, the line of scrimmage. Kirby. Kirby would talk to the official. Yep. Huh? He probably, and then they probably say, hey, yeah, maybe it was said, Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sir. Let's, let's take a look, sir. <laughs> what's that, what's that logo on your, what's that logo on your jacket? It oh, it's a, it's a G. Oh, oh yeah. Let's get that flex yeah, yeah. back. You don't like it, play better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you're 100% right about that. You had a chance and you didn't, you didn't convert. I want to also play one other post-game clip from this weekend. This is from Roman Berkey. He was asked about if there was one moment that stood out for him from this season. And I really thought, when you talk about a captain of a squad, I don't know if you get a better answer than this. No, and I don't want to because uh, I think the whole season together um, with everyone involved made it, made made it like the way it is, you know, made it a great season, a special season, and um, so I don't really want to pick one point uh, or one one situation or one action. Or uh, and um, I said to the team uh, after the game, you know, it's one thing that you're going to lose the game. But the game is one thing. But in my opinion, I won because um, I didn't know what to expect, you know, when I came here. And I met a lot of beautiful people and um, beautiful teammates. And uh, I told them I'm just proud to be a part of of the team. And in my opinion, that's a win for this season. I'll bet you his favorite part was a clean sheet. <laughs> that clean sheet mentality. <laughs> he was big on that. Yeah. Didn't happen there in the end, but, you know, it happens. That was a good answer from a captain. That was. That was a fantastic that, that's what, answer from That's that. what you want to hear. Specific moment. Not all one moment. It, all it was the, all, all the moment. beautiful people. Yeah. And he said, I, I look at this season as a win. I won. Because all the beautiful people I met there. That's, I that, like that's, winning the that's game That's a fantastic. Life. Listen, come on. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's not. No, I don't like that one. That's, I like oh, winning a cup that doesn't look like a cup. I don't, that's... <laughs> There's always you got a chance. You, you played, 
You played a, an extremely good season, had a great year. The United States. Didn't finish it the way you, you would have liked, but... All in all, I yeah, think next time season. the United States is going to win the, the World Cup in like like three or four <laughs> runs at like a thousand to one odds. And the first thing Randy's going to say the morning afterwards is just be like, "Well, I'd be a lot happier if the trophy was an actual cup. Call it the World <laughs> World. Call it the Globe or something. The Stanley no, Cup yes. is a cup. The it world makes tro- sense. The world, world trophy. World. Yeah. The World Trophy. The World World. World Trophy. Uh, mm. Great job today by our overall engineer, Matthew Rock. <laughs> video and audio engineer. We added the video today because we, yes. what was it, like five minutes with no video in here? Yeah, I had to hit a button. And then we're reading text, turn the camera on. Yeah. There was one guy that just, there was one person, I have to give them credit for this one. All of they said in the YouTube chat was just your face. They didn't say, I want to see your face. They didn't say, why can't I see your face? It was just the Where's your words, face? your <laughs> face. Not even a question mark, just your face. Straight to the God. point. Yeah, right. How about that? How about that? How about that? Uh, CD. Show your face. We want to see your face. Who's in it? You want to see my face? Your face. <laughs> we go. We've got a balloon party coming up with T-Mac and Ajax and then BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2 and then the fast lane from 2 to 6. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Monday, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.